Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. All right, great. Thank you so much and welcome, everyone. Uh, This is Clark Rockfall. I'm the ACB Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. And just want to thank everyone who is joining us on this Zoom webinar this evening to celebrate the 10th anniversary of the signing into law 10 years ago today, the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act, also known as the CVAA. Uh, Again, quick shout out to everyone listening on ACB Radio. Um, Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and we have a great panel here this evening. Um, So the 21st Century Communications Video Accessibility Act is a a great accomplishment that really spurred accessible technology and communications innovation in the digital space. That couldn't have been done without organizations such as ACB, and other organizations that were members of the Coalition of Organizations for Accessible Technology, or COAT, working hand-in-glove or hand-in-cane with industry partners as well as policymakers. And we are very pleased uh, to have three of those industry partners here with us this evening. We have Susan Mizrui from AT&T, Tom Litkowski from Comcast Cable, and Larry Goldberg from Verizon Media. And before, uh, actually, we're just going to jump right in here. So, um, Susan, may I ask you to please share a little bit about yourself uh, personally and professionally? Well, I work for AT&T in global public policy. And on this panel, I think this is one of the few times that I'm the newest to enter the field of accessible technology with like 28 years. So um, I think you have a really good panel here in terms of experience. Uh, My background is I initially was a special ed teacher. I taught uh, college courses for teachers of the visually impaired around computer technology. And when I started doing that, I realized that without the ability to have accessible technology, no matter how well we taught our students, there still would be barriers. And so that's when I switched to the communications field. And I've been working since then to try to make communications products and services as accessible as possible for people with disabilities. And um, I'm very excited about the work that I've seen happen um, as a result of the CBAA, but I'll give you other time because I have my uh, peers here from other companies who have a lot to add. Well, and we're certainly excited for that innovation as well and to be a, a partner and work with you to bring that innovation to the forefront. So thank you for joining us here this evening. Tom, good evening. Mark, how are you doing? Doing well. Please give us a little bit about your background, Tom. Well, uh, let's see, I'm Vice vice President of Accessibility at Comcast, and I've been with the company now for um, eight and a half years. Um, Prior to that, I spent 10 years running accessibility for AOL, which uh, (laughs) 
small world, Pat's Cross again. <laughs> uh, you know, it kind of got subsumed into uh, what, what, what eventually became Verizon Media. And so Larry will talk about that. But uh, so spent 10 years at, at AOL. Uh, prior to that, I uh, had the pleasure of working uh, with Larry at the WGBH National Center for Accessible Media, the WGBH Media Access Group, with home of the Descriptive Video Service Closed Caption Center, uh, and then the National Center for Accessible Media. Uh, spent 10 years there and uh, uh, got to work on a lot of interesting projects uh, like uh, federal grants to create guidelines for how to make a cable set-top box accessible, and who knew so many years later I'd actually get to oversee a project like that. Um, so it came full circle. Um, personally, graduate of Boston College in communications um, uh, and thought I was going to do radio for the longest time and ended up at WGBH, and somebody told me about the media access group and uh, accessibility and you know, I like to say I was doing accessibility before it became a profession. And now I think we finally, thanks to the legislation like CBAA and, and other initiatives that ACB and other organizations have uh, led, I think accessibility really now is a true legitimate uh, profession with career paths and you know companies who really care about it. When we started, uh, it, was a, it was obviously legitimate and it was a profession, but um, you know, it was a, a fight for, for every inch that we got to move. And I think now um, it's just unbelievable to see where we are today uh, on, on the accessibility front. Thanks, Tom. You know, I, I think uh, AOL email addresses are kind of like the Nokia candy bar cell phones. Uh. Everyone had one at one point. <laughs> the only difference is that AOL is back and Larry Goldberg is helping make AOL cool again. Larry, how are you this evening? I'm doing great. And uh, as much as I'm fighting for accessibility, coolness is definitely part of it. Um, and I guess I am the senior person on this call, though. Today's celebrations make me feel like a kid uh, because it was reliving such an amazing time 10 years ago. And many of us uh, who are listening and were on the call tonight were at the White House for the signing. And that was an amazing day. Uh, my background is in uh, film and media. Um, playing with every kind of technology that can create media going all the way back to junior high school. And over the years that evolved into a, a, a way of putting computers together with television. And oddly, one of the very first ways that became possible is through closed captioning. And uh, 1985, so that's 35 years ago now, I joined WGBH uh, in their caption center and really focused on closed captioning and that marriage of how to use computers to make media accessible. Um, not long after joining uh, the Caption Center, I also got to learn an awful lot uh, about video description. And I really kind of have to thank ACB and the Charlsons and a lot of ACB members for teaching me a lot about that beautiful art. Uh, and Tom, too. And then we had this great opportunity to create an R&D center with funding from public broadcasting, CPB, your tax dollars to create the National Center for Accessible Media. And that's really when the web was taking off and digital media, uh, public policy was really falling into line. Uh, worked on the TV Decoder Circuitry Act with our dear Senator, Ed Markey, representative at the time. Uh, who eventually then uh, authored the CVAA for us, 
and and um, just watched how the disability community came together and just simply made it happen, or not so simply as Mark Riker was say. <laughs> but in retrospect, doesn't it feel like it was just a breeze? Easy. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> today I'm, uh, head of ex- I'm head of accessibility for Verizon Media, which is the smallest division of Verizon, uh, Big Verizon, which is your uh, phone and uh, enterprise company and cable. Interesting that AT&T and Comcast were all competitors on this call tonight, but boy, have we worked to accomplish a lot together. What a great point, Larry. It's, uh, it's always interesting when, how accessibility brings people together and digital inclusion can bring people together. Uh, Larry, you mentioned you know, 10 years ago the law was passed, and I imagine several folks on this call were at the White House when this bill was signed 10 years ago by President Obama. And we have a special video message from another individual um, who was at the White House. So, Cindy, whenever you're ready, uh, please queue up and play our special video message from none other than Stevie Wonder. Okay, I'm going to start it right now. If you don't hear it, say something, okay? Yes, ma'am. There you go. We're sorry, but due to copyright restrictions, we are unable to include this recording in the podcast. Thank you. That was a great clip from Stevie Wonder. Oh, yes. <laughs> and again, thank you so much to, to Stevie Wonder um, for that message, for his support of the advocacy community, as well as uh, his, his love of technology. Um, yeah, every just, year just, at uh, CSUN, every just year wow. When we were there in person, he, he would go through the exhibit hall. So powerful. And uh, Tom, talk a little bit more about that. So we've had the CVAA for 10 years. Um, 10 years ago, <clears throat> where, where were you? And what, what did technology and accessible technology look like? 10 years ago, uh, I was working at AOL still. Um, and, you know, we were playing around with things like making, you know, instant messaging accessible to screen readers. Um, we were figuring out, you know, how to scale closed captions on Internet video. Um, we were figuring out how deafblind people could use a refreshable Braille display and instant messaging to call video relays, uh, to, to place relay calls, text relay calls. Um, and you know, we're working on things like that. Um, the iPhone had just come out, you know, um, but I don't think I could have imagined where we would have been today at that point. I was not for, lucky enough to be at the White House uh, at that, for that signing, but you just knew that this was going to be a revolutionary piece of legislation, just given the, the, the passion that went into it. And, you know, there was some heart hard-fought negotiations. Uh, you know, I certainly was part of part of that aspect of it. Um, but I think in the end, you know, uh, industry and consumers and, and government came together. And, and I think we're reaping the benefits of that today. Definitely. And Susan, I know where you were 10 years ago, because I was very new to public policy in Washington, D.C. I started as an intern with the uh, strategic alliances and federal policy team for Verizon Communications, and you were the first 
first person I really saw in, in this space. Um, you know, in the kind of straddling that line of um, you know advocacy as well as uh, corporate innovation and policy. Um, with the work that you've done at AT and T, wow! What what was the focus of your work in terms of accessibility ten years ago? Ten years ago, I was working on um, the offering of accessible smartphones. I work very closely with the folks from Apple and the advocates, um, and was fortunate enough to be the first national company to offer an accessible smartphone. And I think what it showed was really the potential and the need for access. So 10 years ago, I was fortunate enough to be at the White House, um, and it was a thrilling time. Um, I don't know what was more exciting, shaking President Obama's hand or hearing Stevie Wonder play the piano in the White House. That was pretty cool <laughs> later. Um, but it was an exciting time because we all knew that without this accessibility and without this law, there's so many people with disabilities who would be left behind, particularly people who are blind or people who are deaf or deaf blind. And there's points in it that the law really helped not just move, you know, entertainment or communication among family, but it's a business thing. It's a civic engagement piece now. It is so critical. And and I was fortunate to work with a lot of folks, both in the advocacy arena and the industry, who really saw not only the potential of preventing a barrier from happening, but the opportunities that would happen as a result. And so it was a very exciting time. And even though Tom was not there physically, the work he's done since then has really shown the spirit of the act. And it's not a matter of, do we have to provide access now? Do we need to do it? It's a lot of large number of people, that type of argument to, hey, how do we do it better? How do we do it in a way that's um, good for the company as well as our customers? And in the end result is it's also good for society. So it's a pretty exciting time. And, and the opportunity to work with Tom and Larry and so many others um, as partners, as people who discuss problems in a civil way and come up with, you know, reasonable compromises, I think it's been really exciting. And, and more than that, people who have been able to look beyond and develop things that are innovative and, and helpful, not just to the disability communities, but beyond. Great. Thank you. And Larry, uh, same to you. Ten years ago, uh, where were you? Where were you? And I guess what was the, the state of consumer technology it was, around uh, that time? It was really a tipping point. Um, I was at the White House that day and I've been sharing pictures with a lot of friends lately of that day. Um, let's not forget Andrew Kirkpatrick now at mm -hmm. Adobe was there. Um, and lots of members of Congress, uh, pictures of me and Susan, and so many others who um, we, you could just see the smiles on our faces that day, and I sent all those pictures to Eric Bridges. Uh, I was at WGBH at the time, running the National Center for Accessible Media, and along with everyone I work with there who had a great, great love of media and technology, we were a mission-driven institution. Uh, and so we were fighting for good public policy, and I love politics, and so I just dove right in to see how we could apply our love of technology to some good public policy. Um, 
at the time, and uh, we talk a lot about the accessibility of smartphones, but remember, a huge component of CVAA was a video description mandate. And we had tried and tried, you know, DVS started at WGBH, building on the work of Dr. Margaret Fansteel and Joel Snyder and others. And we thought we had a mandate for video description, and then we lost it. And so this act was how we got back in the game. And the interesting thing uh, is, you know, how we got digital technology to make it all so much easier. Doing analog work uh, the way we're doing on captioning description uh, was no easy task. So we were developing standards uh, along with the Society of Motion Picture and Television Engineers, a group called the Internet Captioning Forum, just trying to push the limits of what digital technology could do. Um, one of the things that came out of that whole experience was what I used to think was an oxymoron, voluntary efforts, expecting industry to do things without a mandate. So we didn't get a mandatory provision of video description uh, for online media into the CVAA. But in an awesome way, through ACB's efforts and many others, the amount of audio description or video description on online media now is vast. And of course, you can see that in the audio description project at ACB on Netflix and Amazon, on Comcast and Verizon, uh, at Apple. I don't think we ever could imagine that, you know, when Tom and I started at DVS, that it would have so such a far reach. And I, I think uh, these days, I really do feel like we have come a long way. The fight isn't so hard, um, but now we've got new technologies that we're trying to tackle, like virtual reality accessibility. And that's loads of fun, too. Certainly. It's not a destination. <laughs> yes. No, it's not. <laughs> and, um, Larry, you talked about this, this journey and these voluntary um, initiatives, and I think the the road for that has been paved somewhat by what Susan was talking about with the, uh, the industry and advocacy communities working together. So it, in that regard, I'll turn to Tom and ask, Tom, how has the, the CVA impacted the work that you do, you know, just the work you do on a daily business, but also the work that your company does? Well, I mean, it's it's probably the reason why a few of us on this call get to go to a job every day that's not really like work. There are days that it feels like it, but for the most part, you know, we're getting to play with cool technology. And, you know, I didn't quite understand the impact that a talking guide would have on the community. Um, you know, I was born blind and certainly loved description and, and worked on the content side of it. But I, I guess I just didn't realize the, the hunger, um, and then when we put out voice guidance on X1 and you know heard from consumers that said for the first time in their life they were able to schedule and play back a DVR recording, uh, and you know I think uh, Eric Bridges gave us a quote. He's like, you know, you know, uh, we used to either you know stay home to watch our favorite show or you know have to choose between that and going out to dinner, and uh, now now you know we could record the you know show and do both I'm paraphrasing the quote but um i didn't realize the impact and so you know i think cbaa let's be honest is the reason why uh, a lot of companies 
were trying to figure out what this meant to them. You know, uh, you know, Comcast and other companies like ours, you know, we sit squarely in the middle of the CBAA. You have you know, Section 716, not to get too deep into the policy language of it, but Section 716 deals with things like advanced communication services, so electronic messaging, you know, email, uh, customer service chat, uh, and and other other uh, messaging services, uh, you know, around that. Uh, and then you have, you know, the, the video piece of the act that, you know, reinstated uh, the description uh, obligations um, where today we know that the major broadcast networks and uh, five cable networks have to deliver 87 and a half hours of described programming uh, per calendar quarter. Um, and now the FCC is looking to expand the obligation on local affiliates uh, uh, to more markets. Uh, right now, it's the top 50 markets, uh, and we're going to—that's going to move to uh, you know the next 10 and the next 10 after that over a period of a phased-in period. So, you know, I think the CVAA is a guidepost, um, at least in the, in the initial stages. Right when I, when I joined Comcast in June of 2012 to create the Accessibility Group, it was really about you know looking at the the work that the FCC was doing to implement the CVAA and interpreting what that meant for us and, and really lining up our product groups around how best to support it. Um, and while that still is, you know, a guidepost and, you know, some of us talk about what we could do around audio description and how we could improve delivery, particularly on the, you know, traditional cable and broadcast side of it. Um, while that still guides us, it's not as I don't talk about compliance uh, the way I did 10 years ago. Um, that's not why we do accessibility, right? We do it because if this, what the CBAA has done has made accessibility a business imperative if you want to be a credible media and technology company. And so today, you know, I keep my eye on, you know, what my friends on this call are doing, but also what Apple and Netflix and Amazon and Hulu and Disney Plus and, you know, I'm sure I'm missing somebody out there. Uh, what they're doing, and it becomes more of, you know, how do we maintain our our desire, our company's Comcast desire to be a leader in the space? What do we have to do to continue to innovate? So we've pivoted the conversation from compliance to innovation. And I think that's the most exciting part about uh, what the CBAA has done over the past 10 years. Susan, uh, I guess I'll ask you to, to go next is... Um, accessibility a, a business imperative for AT&T as well? And how does that manifest in the work that you all have been doing since the CVAA? I, I think as a business imperative, it's not so much that it is a huge way to make money, but it is the right thing to do and it's consistent with our business practices. And having folks like um, or Larry who lead in, in ways that you know, we can say, look at look at Comcast. This is what they did. This is the bar we need to meet. And then how can we beat them? Um, for us, the argument, you know, we are, like many other companies, a company that is composed of 
of other legacy companies. So when we bring them into the fold, we can say, yeah, it may not be required by CVAA, but, you know, you see the expectation is there. You see it by streaming services and that kind of thing. How can we do this? How can we do it in a way that's consistent with our business practices? And how can we do it in a way we hope that will be better than what's being done? So the I would call it almost CVAA 2.0 is that we've gotten past the initial, yes, you have to do it. What is the bare minimum you can do to where do we go from here? And how do we distinguish ourselves as a business that cares? that cares about all our customers, that we care about social justice and we care about diversity. And and part of that is the disability community. And so the work that I do now is more of shepherding. Sometimes it's avoiding making some really, having really good ideas that are implemented that really, you know, when you've been in the field or you've been a blind person, you know, won't work. And getting the connections between organizations like ACP who, you know, those in our company are looking at accessibility to say, hey, this is what we're thinking. What do you think? Does it work? Um, and, and that is so critical. I think having that partnership and having the competitors to benchmark against and, you know, hopefully at some point surpass um, is, is very exciting. We're not just saying you have to do it. It's the law. It's all right. We got to do it. It's how do we do it better? How do we do it in an exciting way? How do we do it in a way that will serve all our customers? And Larry, um, anything you would like to add on this topic of how the CVA impacts the the work you do at Verizon Media? Yeah, for sure. Um, and by the way, as Tom was saying, you know what companies are doing good in this field. In this field, let's not forget Microsoft. I mean, they are yes, doing absolutely. amazing absolutely. work, <laughs> uh, with great leadership. But of course. Um, you know, we, my, I personally feel like compliance is a dirty word. Uh, it is not something I want to base my life on or guide my company towards. These days, uh, you want to be a player in the field of tech, you will both embrace and escalate accessibility. Uh, we care a lot. We all have to care a lot about our, our stakeholders trusting us, uh, that we do tech for good. And there's pretty much no better way of demonstrating how tech can be good for people than if you uh, look at the CVA and its intention and then go far, far beyond that. One great example is um, virtually every cable system and set-top box now has uh, a voice remote with voice input. That's not required by the CVAA. Only voice output is required. And yet... Comcast, X1, Fios, AT&T, we all have voice remotes now. Our apps on our phones can control our television systems. All of that is because we see this as excellence in the, in the work we do. And we, uh, we sort of go to each other. But when somebody asks me when we stream so much media from Verizon Media, well, what does uh, Google and YouTube do? I can tell them, you can bet they're doing accessibility and they're doing it well. Uh, so we, we do support each other this way, and we keep kind of leapfrogging as well. And I would say that I don't see compliance as a bad word. I just see it as we're going beyond it now. And, and I see it within AT&T where we have a corporate accessibility office. Initially, all our products and services were screened by those. We had over 50,000 products 
services that gone through the process. But we, what we've seen now is that the business units, those who are developing, know what to do. And if they don't know what to do, they look at the accessibility office as a resource rather than a, you know, this is a, a checkpoint that you have to go through to get your product out. And so I think compliance gives us the the minimum what we need to do. So we're no longer arguing about do we have to do it. And I think that having the growth that we've seen in the last 10 years, it's really going out now to using the compliance people or using as a technical experts as people who can help solve the next generation of projects. How the next type of technology that's coming out where there isn't a law that says how you're supposed to do something. Go ahead, Tom. And I think what you're seeing too is companies aren't afraid to talk about it anymore. I mean, 10 years ago, people, Larry will remember this, when we first started working and when we were at NCAM or the National Center for Accessible Media, uh, one way that we fueled our research was through corporate partnerships. Uh, and I remember the day that AOL came in the room and I was sitting in the back of this meeting that we were having. And I'm like, geez, I got to get this gig because I, I just felt like this was going to be, you know, a, a way to really Im- impact a, a large company at the time. If you think in 19, whatever that was, 90 or 2000, uh, you know, AOL was like what Facebook and, and Google and Twitter and you know, TikTok or whoever are today, right? Um, and I remember the uh, executive, uh, after there was some legal action filed against uh, AOL for not being accessible, uh, I remember the executive uh, coming to us uh, from NCAM, I'm sure Larry was there, saying, geez, if we had only talked about this two weeks earlier, if we only announced that we were working with you guys two weeks earlier, we wouldn't be in this problem right now. And they, you know, they were afraid to talk about it because everybody wanted to have it be perfect. And the fact of the matter is with accessibility, as we said earlier, it's a journey. It's not perfect, right? There are going to be things that get missed along the way. Uh, but companies are, are now willing to talk about it. They're willing to talk to each other about accessibility. And I think the CBAA had a lot to do with that because it brought us all together uh, in different ways to kind of talk about what does this mean? I, like I get my captions from a you know, a, a Warner Media show from, you know, somebody that Susan may know, uh, you know. And, and so I think at least in the media and technology world, this this legislation has, has you know, got people to see accessibility as an engine of innovation and companies see it as a way of, you know, talking about good corporate social responsibility, but it, it's good for the brand. When we, when we launched the talking guide, when we launched voice guidance on X1, you know, a year later, we, we launched what's known as the Emily Zaz ad campaign, uh, which was a story of a seven-year-old uh, girl who's blind, whose favorite movie was The Wizard of Oz. And now she could finally find and play her movie thanks to the voice guidance on X1, maybe oversimplifying the situation. Uh, but, but that ad campaign was really, for Comcast, the first time that they were attaching accessibility to their brand. And I remember being called to a board of directors meeting, uh, scared out of my mind because uh, not too many accessibility people back then were called to the board. Um, and, and our chairman and CEO, Brian Roberts, asking me what I thought of this commercial. And I just remember stepping back out of that meeting saying, what did I think of the commercial? I mean, I was through the roof. You know, I was scared when we did it because I wanted to make sure we were 
positively portraying blindness. But I think that's where we are now. Companies are willing to talk about accessibility in different ways. And, and that helps as well. And, and I think having people who are blind like you in leadership roles really makes a huge difference. I mean, it, in the past, I think people were not necessarily as well included in the higher levels of companies. And I think um, you really broke through a glass ceiling and, and it did it in a way that you bring up other people as well. So I think that was, for me, personally, very exciting. Um, not to limit the work that people who don't have disabilities have done, because clearly there are a ton of people who um, have done phenomenal work and in some cases have later acquired disabilities, um, not just as a commitment to uh, their field, but, um, but really understood it. But it is nice to have people who are blind interacting with executives who see them as a peer, who are not questioning whether they can do the job or not, but going to them for advice. And I think that that's, we need more of that in not just the communications field, but across the board. And Susan, I'm glad you mentioned that. And I'd like to take a quick aside from the CVA itself to discuss that a little bit more, because we certainly do have young ACB members out there, ACB students who are beginning on their career and uh, like one of you said earlier, you guys have jobs and work that doesn't feel like work. You know, you get to go play every day with the awesome new and innovative technologies. Um, so any advice for um, students or young members of uh, blind information technology specialists, ACB affiliate BITS, or on our information access committee who uh, look up to you all and want to do more in the accessible media and technology space. Any advice for them? Well, this is Larry and not as a blind person, um, but I did acquire my disability after working in the field for so long, like so many others will. Um, it's a great time to get a job in certainly in the tech and media sector if you know how to do accessibility. Uh, there's a uh, a job board you can look at in LinkedIn run by Jenison Asuncion there, and he is posting jobs constantly for accessibility specialists and leaders. Um, I'm getting asked all the time, do I have any leads? Is there anyone I could send to some pretty awesome companies? I would absolutely say study uh, the web content accessibility guidelines from the W3C. Uh, take a look at how companies are doing accessibility. Uh, blind folks have some great positions in all the, the big companies, and um, I think it's a uh, it's a buyer it's a, a a seller's market right now uh, for people who really know how to do accessibility and probably will be for a while. Uh, I'll put a pitch in for the project that a few of us are involved with called Teach Access at teachaccess.org, and this is most of the major tech companies involved in helping colleges teach about accessibility in their mainstream computer science design HCI courses. And we find that the students just suck it up. They love it. Uh, they're so enthralled with what big tech is doing on accessibility. Uh, and Teach Access is going to expand, and we're going to do a lot more around driving this curriculum into universities for mainstream students, and of course, including students with disabilities, and even reach down into the lower grades. Uh, so it's a great time to catch that wave, and, and I think there's a lot of great opportunities. 
And I think networking with folks, um, not just blind people in the field, but people who are leaders in the field. Because I know that if you reached out to me or you reached out to Larry, you'd get the same response, which is, how can I help? What can I do? Um, not necessarily to give you the job per se, but to mentor. And I think that, that that's very helpful. I think preparation, as Larry was saying, is critical. Networking with those in the field, um, even if you're not quite ready, uh, participate in um, some of the activities where they have um, like tech fairs or maker events. Um, I think all those things provide experience with people who are very excited about this field. And I think it's one of the more welcoming fields fields out there. But yeah. I also would say make sure your skills are not just accessible technologies that the broader because accessible technologies obviously will change through time you need to have the skills to adapt to brand new technologies that no one has thought of today and you want to have a long career in the field you have to have a breadth of knowledge as well a yeah, depth I, and breadth i would say uh also think about you know accessibility beyond blind and low vision access because yes. all of us are across disability um and so you know uh you need to be able to talk about you know closed captioning as easily as you could talk about how you know voiceover works uh with an app on an iphone um and you're bouncing between and you know the one that really got me is when we launched our adaptive web remote which was using eye gaze technology there's the one demo in the lab that i can't do because <laughs> I, I can't can't stare at the screen so you so you have to know again and that's one of the things that that's about recruiting people with disabilities that's why companies are really interested because you have to think outside the box and find ways of, of doing that type of demonstration but I, I would just say you know everything that larry and susan said and you know uh you know, feel free to, you know, look me up on LinkedIn or, you know, ask uh, any of the ACB staff for my contact information. And I'm sure, as Susan said, all of us on this call would be happy to, you know, talk with you about our experience and what we know. But, but yeah, skills and just don't limit your definition of accessibility to blind and low vision because it's much broader than that. And I would say as a blind person, you often, when you're looking at networking, can't use some of the some of the things that are done to help promote networking. It's very hard in a large crowd to look across the room, see the, you know, the executive you need to talk to. Um, so you may need to be creative on how you network. You might need to bring in cookies. You might need to put a bowl of candy on your desk when you're in the office so people can buy and talk to you. Um, because getting through that initial fear is something that, that you may still need to do. Um, I want to amplify Susan's comment about mentorship. Uh, certainly for me, uh, in my stage of my career, I'm so grateful for what I've been able to do uh, that I I want to dedicate as much time as possible to that. And when any young person hits me up on LinkedIn and said, you know, can we talk? I'm interested in the field. I say yes to pretty much everyone, as long as they're not trying to sell me anything. No, <laughs> no selling. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, yeah, absolutely. Um, we're dedicated to the next generation of accessibility professionals. And, you know, working outside of accessibility is kind of important, too. Yes. You don't want to just get stuck in that. Right. 
when uh, there are so many other great jobs. Yeah. Uh, Susan, earlier you mentioned that compliance is uh, basically it's the minimum, right? It's that that fine line between, um, you know, regulation and litigation. And Larry, you mentioned all the all the great work that Microsoft is doing. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that it was the the CVAA and the request for dispute assistance process, the RDA process that really jump-started Microsoft's uh, basically steamrolling and bulldozing down the the path on their journey to making accessible products and services. And we've certainly all all benefited from the uh, laser-like focus that they now have on that arena. Um, curious, I know you all have mentioned some things here throughout the evening, but curious to hear what sort of project products and services out there um, do you think have been brought about by the CVAA, as well as those that go well beyond the scope of the CVAA in terms of making technology products and services uh, more accessible and more inclusive? And Susan, I'll start with you. Well, I'm probably the worst person to start with because I don't work on the product side. But what I would say is that you see a lot more smartphone technology now today. You know, one of the companies Mm -hmm. I don't think we've named right now is Google. You see it accessibility in Android phones as well. You see it as a uh, kind of a bare minimum um, for entry into the market now. It's it's really been been exciting, but you also see uh, technology that's being developed in the assistive assistive technology area for people who are deaf blind, um, and some assumptions like web browsers will all be accessible. Um, I think you see more um, happening as a spinoff that of things that are not necessarily even required, but become the expectation. Um, so I see a lot more product offerings that just have built-in accessibility um, and a lot more um, connection with the community to to get to that end. Um, but I think uh, Larry in particular can talk about some new cutting-edge things that he's working on, and um, Tom can work on as well as some of his products. Yeah, the um, you know I mentioned virtual reality. The gaming world has done some pretty amazing work. Uh, again, Microsoft and their adaptive controller for the Xbox, uh, they led the way in this notion of uh, jumping into some other online world and making sure that anyone with a disability can join in. And as virtual reality or XR, immersive reality, moves out of the gaming world to the mainstream, uh, we've gathered a coalition of the big companies who are in the field and amazing advocates, uh, and we want to catch this before it becomes too mainstream and has too many uh, accessibility bugs and build it into the infrastructure. So we create an organization called XR Access, uh, along with Cornell Tech uh, in New York City, and we are just blooming in this uh, what's coming next in virtual reality, augmented reality, in education, commerce, uh, employment. It's coming. And so we were really happy to be able to say, uh, also because it's a corporate initiative. Uh, I just joined our XR council at Verizon yesterday, more than 50 people doing XR projects. And when I mentioned that my role is accessibility, people were absolutely sitting up and taking notice and thought that could be a competitive edge. 
And I thought that's where we should be. Yeah, I think, you know, it just products like smart TVs having, you know, text to speech in them, um, you know, is is probably the the easiest one to think about that, you know, probably would may not have had that um, or at least as wide of an offering as you have today uh, because of that. Um, you know, um, so, so, and I think it, it, you know, as new technologies are being developed, you know, to Larry's point, um, people are thinking about accessibility much, much earlier now than, than they were, you know, back before the CBAA, that's for sure. And for the people who aren't high tech as well, I mean, there's, Hmm. you can use, uh, Bard mobile now to get your NLS books. You can also use uh, some of the the apps that are available for your local library. Um, you have just so many opportunities for controlling your your home as a result of as the advances. It's it's really amazing. You know, we haven't talked at all about um, Amazon and some of the work they've done, and and you know, just making accessibility as part as your part of your everyday life, whether you have a disability or not. It really has has changed how we think of it, not only in the cool high tech gaming area um, and immersive realities that uh, that uh, will become more and more commonplace, but also for the people who are not necessarily tech folks who just want to be able to do things easily, like go online and find out what you know the issues are in their in their ballot. It is uh, certainly incredible that just the proliferation of accessible user interfaces that we have seen. Uh, Susan, you mentioned Google and Tom, you mentioned having text to speech in TVs Uh, because screen readers and assistive technology are included in the Android operating system. We've also seen this move beyond phones, tablets and TVs to say, Oh, I don't know the touch screen on a refrigerator that runs Android OS has Mm -hmm. the screen reader built in or United's new uh, seat back display for in-flight entertainment Um, or something that ACB was had the privilege to work on earlier this year, the Peloton bike and allowing people who are blind or low vision to independently start and participate in a workout. Um, it, it's just things that touch all aspect of our lives. And one that I haven't mentioned here um, that I'll, I'll let Larry share a little bit about. But Larry, if you could please share some of the work that um, Verizon Media and Yahoo Finance has done to increase the accessibility of information and data. Yeah, it's uh, really interesting. We had an engineer She happened to have a father who was losing his vision, and she, working in Yahoo Finance on the Android side, uh, realized that all the financial charts, uh, line graphs and bar charts and following your stocks weren't accessible. So she built in a way of doing, in essence, sonification or talking stock charts. Uh, And by moving your finger, you can hear either tones rising and falling as you follow your chart reading out what explicitly your stock price was on a very particular day uh, and built into the mainstream app now, iOS and Android. Uh, Yahoo Finance happens to be very dedicated uh, to accessibility 
as is Yahoo Fantasy Football. I don't know if you all know Brian Fischler, um, who is a crazy sports nut, uh, has an all-blind fantasy football league uh, using Yahoo Fantasy Football, and they are having a ball playing fantasy football this year and trash-talking each other. Fantasy football is a complicated little interface there, and they are just nailing it because we worked hard on it. I certainly got my notification here a couple minutes ago about Thursday night football and watch now uh, on my smartphone. Who would have thought that I'd be watching football on my smartphone? But I digress. Um, So it's just fascinating to see how the CVAA and accessible technology has impacted uh, not only digital literacy, access to information and community, uh, as Larry was just saying, financial and fantasy football literacy as well. Um, as technology progresses, and this will be my final question before we open it up for, for Q&A, but as technology progresses and we look back at the CVAA, I guess what aspects of this law would you say are evergreen and will withstand the test of time? You know, if we do this event in 10 years from now, what will we be talking about from the, the CVAA that's still relevant? And Tom, I'll start with you. Great. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> uh, Susan's the public policy expert on this call. Um, I thought we, we had that nailed down before. But, jeez, um, I think it'll be the, the principle or the spirit of the CVAA that will live on. Um, and I think it'll be critical for us to take advantage of this wave right now so that we can ride that momentum 10 years from now. It's kind of like how we look back at 30 years of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, and what's that, what that has done, and, and yet there's still more work to do. Uh, so I think it'll be the spirit of the CVAA and looking back at some of the innovations that, that were developed as a result to you know, spur us on to make sure that we don't slip back. Uh, you, know, you got you know, uh, you know, Larry participating in the, the XR Council, as he mentioned. So, so it's already having its impact because, you know, you know, VR, AR, all of these new technologies are going to be what we're talking about in the next, you know, three, five, seven years as they become more mainstream. Uh, so I think it's really the spirit of the CVAA that's going to guide us uh, to, you know, uh, to the next plateau. Um, uh, Susan might be the public policy expert, but you are the recipient of the chairman's AAA award for accessibility today. <laughs> so I just want to recognize you for that and say congratulations, um, that an honor well-deserved, and thank you for being with us here this evening. Well, thanks. And, you know, it's really not an, I mean, yes, they were recognizing individuals, but as I said, at the ceremony, it's really an extension of, of both the folks that I've worked with throughout my career. You know, uh, you know, certainly Larry will always pick up the phone if I have a question. Susan does the same. Uh, my teammates at Comcast, the broader team at Comcast, AOL folks. It's just you know, my family to allow me to move from Boston down to Virginia and back up to Philadelphia. And, you know, um, so it, 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 it really does take a village, um, maybe an overused phrase, but uh, none of that, you know, that award wouldn't have been possible with, without, you know, without that, that, uh, you know, uh, that, that push and, you know, Larry was running NCAM and I got the AOL project. And so thankfully he had enough trust in me to, to run that, um, uh, because that was really the, the jumping off point to, you know, really getting into the corporate world. 
to do accessibility there. Yeah. Uh, Susan, same question to you for about the, the CVAA. What aspects of this law uh, do you view as evergreen and that will withstand the test of time? Well, I think Tom did a pretty good job for someone who's not a policy person answering it. <laughs> um, I, I think it is the spirit. I think it's the development of a profession that's not on the fringe, that is part of corporations and being built into when technology is being developed across the board. I think that's the big change is it's no longer an odd thing to do. It's an expected thing to do. And it's a thing that you can do as a profession. Um, whether you are a person with a disability or not, there's so many exciting opportunities. And I think that we're seeing changes in that because it is a profession. There are jobs. It's not just call, you know, uh, Clark at ACB to find out what he thinks. It's a whole field. Um, doesn't mean we don't want to talk to you. Um, it does mean that that's all part of the process and part of the profession. And I think a lot of the work that Tom has done and a lot of the work that Larry has done and continues to do um, with Teach America, for example, and other organizations, even Disability In, IAAP, all those groups are helping to make it a recognized field. And Larry, any thoughts that you'd like to add to what Tom and Susan have said before we open it up to Q&A? Sure. I mean, and briefly, Tom said it's the spirit of the law that's most important. We don't know what the next user interface is going to be. Uh, we didn't know the iPhone was coming. Maybe Steve Jobs did. Um, so, and then there very likely will be some sort of virtual reality, a brain-computer interface. So it's the spirit of that. And that maybe the genius of Ed Markey calling it the 21st century communications and video accessibility acts. So we got 80 more years <laughs> in in this century. I think we're going to do okay. We better get those young professionals ready, though, because yeah, I know really. we're going to be doing this. Eight, we're not going to be talking about this 80 years from now. I know that. <laughs> All right, Cindy, can you please... Uh, talk with our folks about how to raise their hands and be recognized for questions. Actually, it's Nat. Hi, Clark. It's, oh, my goodness. The old switcheroo. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Um, okay. If you guys want to ask questions to raise your hand, if you're using a PC, it is Alt-Y. If you're using a Mac, it's Options-Y. If you dialed in on a telephone keypad, it's Star 9. And if you're using the Zoom app, it's that nifty raise hand button. And at, as we give folks a moment to raise their hand, uh, it probably goes without saying, but I always like pointing out that a blindness organization and its members is hosting a virtual webinar on a webinar platform and streaming to an internet radio service. Um, so if that doesn't show the, the how far we've come in accessible technology and innovation in this space, uh, I don't know what does. All right, Kim, you should be able to unmute. Thank you, Nat. Clark, hi, it's Kim Charlson. Hi. And uh, I just wanted to say what a great job. You have a super panel this evening. Larry, Susan, Tom, you all did a fabulous job. Um, Larry, I was there 10 years ago with you, with Brian um, in the White House, um, Susan. It was quite the day from the beginning to the end, walking out while Stevie Wonder played the piano. 
Um, and it was spectacular. It was something, something that I will always remember. And just thinking about all the progress that we've made and listening to the three of you this evening, it's, um, it's quite clear that we've made an impact and that's really something to celebrate. And uh, the three of you were a real important part of that. And uh, especially Tom, you know, I was so excited this afternoon. Congratulations for your award. Thank you, um, you know, you deserve it. It's um, you've come a long way in the whole career chain, like you guys were talking about and I've done so much for our community and uh, really pleased to, to see the recognition for you and what it means. And, and you're so gracious about it, and, but uh, you really do deserve it. So um, I'm looking forward to, you know, another 10 years, um, just to imagine where we'll be 10 years from now is kind of exciting. Um, who knows, but I, I think it's going to be worth the journey. So thank you to all of you. So right, right back at you, Kim. I mean, uh, you know, I remember when I first came to Boston, uh, living in Watertown, you know, Brian and Kim were right there and did some work with the Bay State Council of the Blind. Didn't always get the newsletter recorded at the time that Kim wanted it, but we eventually got it out. Um, but, uh, you know, um, and Kim to this day will send me emails when, or give me a call when, when there are, are viewers, uh, subscribers that are having trouble with uh, audio description, because no matter how far we come, techn technology will break from time to time. So we do need people uh, that are constantly on the lookout. So you too, Tom. I'm getting those calls too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Just, advocacy just watch, is... Susan. It'll be your turn next. Oh no, no, I have from it. But it, the advocacy work that you've done has been absolutely critical. I mean, yeah. without organizations like ACB, I don't think you see the progress that you've had. Not just in helping, you know, create a law. But providing the, the resources and knowledge and vigilance to make sure we can do the best job that we can and catch us when we're not doing it well enough or when something breaks. I think uh, I wanted to put in a plug in for Kim and Brian. Um, one other technology that they did uh, some great work in is movie theaters, which, yes. no, we can't go to these days. But, boy, did they have an impact on the state of Massachusetts on uh, starting here and now nationally, making sure movie theaters supported both uh, audio description and closed captioning. I remember when I was part of the CCB working with Gregory Fraser on the Tucker movie and how exciting it was to have that for the first time um, in my experience. Now, Larry might have been working on it for years. I don't know. But out in California it was a really exciting thing. And to see it now as being commonplace is just amazing. It really is. And, and thank you, Larry. Um, I, I had the honor of um, working with WGBH on a, on a pilot in, I think it was 1986. And they wanted to get a group of blind people together, not too many, maybe 10 or 15, to watch a television program. And I said, well, okay, but you know, why? What's the point? <laughs> you know, well, they didn't tell me initially that it was to show us audio description for the first time. And uh, it was an episode of Nature. And um, we got it all set up. And I remember watching that show. And when it was over, and it was total silence in the room 
for at least 10 seconds. And I think all the people from WGBH thought that we all hated it. But we were just speechless. The whole room was speechless. And then we all started talking at once saying, that was the best show I've ever watched in my whole life. You know, it even beat, uh, you know, Gone with the Wind or The Wizard of Oz or whatever. You know, it was just fabulous. Everybody was talking at once about audio description because they'd never seen it before, including me. And it was amazing. So now we're here where we are. You know, it's incredible. And everything that you gave as feedback to the DVS department there maintains to this day. And if ever there was a demonstration of nothing about us without us, it was those base state council members uh, who taught us how to do description. And I'm sure they were very shy. I I had such a shy group. You would never imagine. (laughs) I used to organize those meetings at WGBH when I got there in 1992, and nobody was ever at a loss for words. That's right. But uh, I I remember representing GBH at at ACB conventions and the DBS movie nights that we used to do used to be a huge hit Mm -hmm. uh, because description was still so new, and people were just so excited about what was the new movie that we were going to bring to the convention. Um, Yeah with description and we still you know, we still do movie night describe movie night now it's evolved into the best picture awesome i love it i mean we even managed to do it this past year when it was parasite but we had to get the movie from great britain because uh-huh. it yeah. wasn't described in the u.s so yeah. you know there's there's a there's something we have to work on so yeah, we actually have <laughs> we have worked with the the academy of motion picture arts and sciences and and they've committed that um, that their nominees in starting in 2022 will um, all of the nominees will have to have audio description on the movies. So we're pretty excited about that. That's probably like a news release bulletin. So you know, that's a, it should that's be your yeah. piece of news that's you know hot off the press. <laughs> so. Oh, well, thank you again. I don't want to take up any more time. There's probably many more questions and not that much time. So Thanks, thank you Kim. to all of you. Thank, thank you. you, Kim. All right. Who's next, Nat? We actually have no more raised hands. Oh, my goodness. I find that hard to believe with some of the names I saw on this. Uh... I appreciate that. As soon as I said that, someone raises their hand. It's magic. Okay. <laughs> all right. Terry, you should be able to unmute. There we are. I just want to, first of all, I want to congratulate Tom on uh, the AAA award today. And honest to God, I was not on the committee this year to choose that. So (laughs) that's a true, true, (laughs) well-deserved. Thank you. Um, You know, I've I've always admired all three of you um, so much for the work that you've done on it. You know, I was involved minimally back in the early days of it. Um, I was mentioning to Dan Spoon uh, one day recently, back in, I think it was 2008 at the ACB convention. At that time, I was working for Tenacity and um, Dr. Vreeland, who owned that company, put a lot of money into COAT. Remember, what was that? Coalition on Accessible Technology. And um, we did a lot of work with people and we had set up in the exhibit hall, we had set up a a VOIP phone 
for people to call Congress, their congressional delegations. And I spent most of that week doing that. And what prompted it, prompted people to come in was Mark Reichert and Marlena Lieberg doing role play stories on stage. It was absolutely hysterical. Um, but, you know, and that's it. So many people, I think, worked for so many years and so hard on it. And it's so wonderful to see how well it has come along and how much more it, it can grow. And so much of it has been due to the work of the three of you and several other people, but especially you three. And that's all I have to say. I just want to congratulate Tom on his award and thank the three of you for all the work that you've done on the uh, implementation of the CVAA. Well, Terry, I think you're also being humble because I think the work that you've done and even the work of folks like Marlena Lieberg and Charlie Crawford while they're no longer with us, the input they've given will live on and really make a difference. And I think that it really is commitment from a lot of individuals, some in the field, some who just know what is fair and right and are willing to stand up for it. And I think certainly, Terry, you've done a lot of work in that and um, are very humble as well. Well, thank you. This is why it's not work, folks, right here. This is why it's fun. You're witnessing it right now. And even when we're being yelled at, we know it's for a good reason. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very <laughs> useful to be yelled at uh, because when you're inside an organization, they just see you and hear you all the time. When it's a real user, a real yes. consumer, 10 times more important. Absolutely. And that it doesn't have one. to be yelling. It just has to be, <laughs> you know, a compelling illustration of, of what yeah. the issue is. And it's also nice to have a heartwarming story as well. But but really tracking what the problem is and when it happens, not just, I hate this. That's hey. such an interesting point. I'll just jump in here real quick, Nat. Um, for the expansion of audio description requirements and PRM from the Federal Communications Commission this fall, we put a call out to ACB members um, to share whether or not they receive audio description in their broadcast area and what it would mean to them um, if they did not currently receive it, um, you know, what it would mean to them if they did receive it in the future. And not just for that FCC filing, um, but those stories we've been able to share with Tom and partners at Comcast for research and internal accessibility work that they're doing and other partners as well. So having um, those real life stories from folks across the country, whether they're designated market area, number one and number two, New York and LA, or if they are you know, upstate New York and downstate Arkansas or Louisiana, uh, just a, a true cross section of ACB members and the American public sharing their real life experiences about what is what is working, what is not working, and what it would mean to them. So I, the, with my advocacy hat on, I can't echo that statement anymore. All right. I do want to let you know that you have 15 minutes left into the next session, although it is the same room. It's the same Zoom room, and you do have one raised hand left. All right. So 15 minutes until the after party. I yeah. like it. All right. Mark, you should be able to unmute. 
Hello there. I'm going to get really good at this technology. I'm certain of it. Um, Mark Reichert here. I have a question for this group uh, that I've been dying to ask you all. And no, it's not a curveball, but I, I, I think it's an important one uh, for you all to, to, to tackle. Before I do that, I'm going to give you three compliments, uh, one each. So maybe it's the Maybe I'm bringing the gold frankincense and myrrh to this uh, celebration <laughs> tonight, or something. I don't know. Um, uh, we had we had three principal, um, at least initially, anyway, at the early stages of as we were drafting the legislation. Uh, three principal company partners: Verizon, AT and T, U.S. Telecom. Um, Susan Mesrui, congratulations! Thank you, my friend. You're a friend and colleague for all of us. I appreciate it. And uh, while you were by no means any kind of spy or infiltrator uh, at AT&T. Uh, my goodness, um, if, if uh, apropos, I think, Larry, of your comments about, you know, promoting accessibility and, and folks out there wanting to maybe pursue a career in accessibility, um, if you want to make a decent living and do some cool work and also, by the way, continue to be an advocate, go do that um, because Susan is an incarnation of that. So, Thank you so much um, for the, frankly, lifelong work that you've done, but especially for your, you were, uh, for such a time as that, as they say. Uh, so, Susan, congratulations to you. Tom, um, I, I don't know why you're talking about how you're not some kind of public policy guy. I, I don't, that's, uh, that's a, that's, I don't want to call you a liar on, in front of everybody, but uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's an understatement or something. I will never forget you um, rightfully challenging some of us, especially me, saying, Mark, uh, gosh darn it all, why are you being so darned rigid? You used other vocabulary. Um, <laughs> I in cannot some of the, uh, it here, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, especially because it's being recorded and this is a family show. Um, but uh, you, uh, some of the, 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 the critique uh, that you challenged some of us uh, to embrace and think of, honestly, um, the language around uh, advanced communication services specifically onto not prioritizing one approach, either built-in accessibility or compatibility, but indeed making that kind of flexible approach available to industry um, that lives on. And I will forever think of that as the Lukowski provision. So thank you, sir. Um, oh, and you. I'll, so I'll add my congratulations. And Larry, good grief. Uh, if I complimented you and everything I'd want to compliment you on, there'd be no oh. more time left for my question. But I'll just say, and I know, Larry, you and I have talked about this before, um, hats off to your career. But WGBH and video description, audio description, um, Larry, as you know, I first of all, I, I love description, but I've always been thoroughly in love with the uh, GBH described version of Eyes on the Prize, the, oh, um, the, the video uh, series on the civil rights movement. And oh, boy, I'm not going to talk about it much because then I'm going to this has been my day for tearing up in front of all my ACV friends. But uh, if you haven't seen that series any of you listening, you got to check, track it down and check it out because there's nothing like hearing the artwork of description describing and telling that story about the brutality and frankly, the courage of, of our brothers and sisters there who fought so hard. And if that doesn't want to inspire you to, or if that won't inspire you uh, to be an advocate, I, I, I maybe need to have your pulse checked or something. I don't know, but really congratulations to all, all three of you. And now here's my question. Um, and Larry, I, I was thinking about this question before you said this, but you, you gave me a perfect example. And that is, so, right, the accessibility of, uh, uh, of, of, of stock trading, uh, 
the um, uh, use of smartphones that frankly aren't necessarily uh, cheap. You didn't do this. I'm now kind of riffing now. But uh, fill in whatever blank you want on how we each use our technology. Uh, watching football games. I'm a nerd, so I'll, I'll defer to Clark on watching football. Uh, but you go down that list, they kind of sound like um, upper middle class interests. And I, I've, I've never had anyone from the cross-disability world or anybody like that come right out and say to me, um, you know, look, congratulations, good for you guys that you were working on this project. And, you know, you accomplished some things in the public policy arena. That's great. But, you know, that's kind of boutique stuff that you're working on and that's really for kind of privileged people again that no one has ever had such lack of class that they've ever said that outright but you kind of read between the lines and you can see it when they get up and talk about some of the challenges they meaning our cross disability friends and, and quite frankly there are some pretty dire things uh that a lot of our brothers and sisters in the disability movement are facing i would love for any or all of you to sort of help me or help all of us debunk the notion that somehow, while yes, there are some things that are just awesome and cool and neat, nifty stuff, um, talk about the fundamentals of what we were trying to achieve and why disability access is is not a boutique issue and why it's so critical, um, no matter who we happen to be. Thank you so much, and God bless. Okay, let me first jump in there and say Mark is also being very... He's, he's somebody who should be congratulated. He was on the floor he was at the forefront of all the very long and sometimes not so much fun meetings at the cvaa and he was a strong advocate a good voice for the consumer and we definitely cannot forget that um today so i just hijacked it i answered the question like people do during debates um which was completely unrelated, but I, I'm not letting you get away with not being congratulated and recognized for the hard work that you did as well. He's, he's a pretty darn good keyboard player in the no no end in sight band. Yeah, yeah. you want to bring back together, by the way. So, <laughs> yes, sir, yes, sir. But uh, but I think that we see technology and not just expensive technology that's available and making things more accessible. And I, I think of things like the, uh, and I'm a little biased because my husband works for Amazon, the Amazon Dot. You look at that product and what you can do with that, making calls, doing things, it's relatively low cost. When you look at the high cost of assistive technology, even today, it's very, it, it, it is boutique. You have to have a job. You can't get the job until you know how to use the technology. We've seen a lot of progress in in free or lower cost things like NVDA is, I think, a good example. But I think that we are seeing the prices go down for the same access because it's becoming access that everybody uses and it's being built in. So we're not having to pay more um, in addition to being such a critical part of everyday life now. And I think as accessibility technology becomes more mainstream, um, you know, Closed captioning are, is used for a whole bunch of stuff, you know, video search, and you know, we use it in our smart resume feature when you hit fast forward on a DVR recording, you know, uh, voice, Larry talked about voice, you know, we do a billion commands a month with our voice remote. You know, that's not just, you know, people at ACB using the voice remote, <laughs> I can sure assure you of that, right? And so it's it, things are, are as, as we blur the lines, and I think that's really where accessibility is heading, right? People want 
multimodal interfaces. They want they want personalization is probably a better way to say it. You want you know some you know there are times that Larry's going to want to use his you know phone visually, and then there are times when he's going to want to use it you know via audio. Um, you know, uh, and so I think what's happening here is we build this technology. Um, we're starting to see this kind of blurring of the lines and and just natural people this personalization trend that's happening and and technology needs to fit the environment um not the other way around uh and and you know that's i think what's going to make this uh more of a you know just a fundamental part of a product and this is Larry. I think that Mark raises a, a pretty important point there when we talk about digital inclusion, which is now a pillar of Verizon's corporate social responsibility. We mean not only inclusion the way we today are talking about accessibility, but for uh, income inequality. Yeah. And uh, we absolutely need to make our solutions easy. You know, you've heard of usable accessibility can't be that complicated and it needs to be really uh, affordable uh, and I think those two things are coming together I was at a mobile health tech conference a few years ago and major hospital chain up your partners healthcare were studying what kind of technologies older folks use because you're seeing similar parallels there the number one technology to reach old folks is television and we all three work in the field of television one way or another. And the idea that your TV can really help you with a very simple user interface, control your home, which we've all been working on, uh, is one of the directions I think um, we can help uh, bridge that. Remember the digital divide? It's still here. And it is something we need to work on uh, as well. And I think we also need to work on access to technology in general. And I see we see it now more with COVID-19, um, some of the inequities in education, for example. Um, I think if there's anything that, that is good that's come out of the pandemic is really the spotlight on where things are not fair and when people are not being treated um, to equal opportunities um, in a very subtle way that makes all the difference in their futures. So I think that that's the piece of it as well. And Susan, that's a great point. We see that in education, in some cases in employment. Um, also, it was lightly touched on earlier, but voting. Yes. And my oh my, how um, accessible technology has really opened uh, the opportunities for accessible remote absentee voting. Um, it is, we are getting close. What's that? Educating yourself on the issues. I mean, we have so much more. Yeah. I mean, we used to only have one kind of source of information, which, um, which I'm forgetting the total name about it. It would go around and say, here are the issues. Now we can go online, do our own research. Clark doesn't spend any time doing uh, voting work. (laughs) Good evening, guys. It's Eric. about to say eric ridges has his hands raised i do i do <laughs> thinking Thanks, of another yeah. person who worked on cvaa so that's where i first met eric actually yeah me too <laughs> and um i got to know larry <laughs> oh my god no kidding right um 
it's uh it's been fun i've been listening to you guys i've been helping to put kids to bed and getting the garbage out and <laughs> now i get to go hang out with the keyboard player of that band um and uh <laughs> wax uh poetic on um what you know the the stories of the cvaa and um uh, I, I really appreciate you guys um, coming on, the organization does, and, and sharing what you did this evening uh, about the CVAA and, and the work that the really excellent work that your companies are doing um, to, you know, to not just comply, but to, to go beyond. And, and I, I completely agree that um, the, the whole compliance notion is something that is, um, is not in vogue any longer. And I'm, no one's happier about that than me. Um, but I, I do have to say, uh, you know, there are companies like Comcast out there and, and frankly, you, the other companies here as well that have, that have helped to enable and help to lead the way, um, that, that Emily's Oz campaign, Tom was so awesome. And part of the reason why it was so cool is that you guys premiered it during the Oscars, yeah. right? I mean, uh, when, I mean, not just the Comcast invested in it, but they invested in this campaign, during one of the most watched, you know, shows of the year. Um, and before you even did that, you consulted with the blind community to get our input into the campaign and how the, the girl was portrayed um, in the, in the ads. So pretty cool stuff. And I got my first iPhone from AT&T because of the customer service uh, line that you guys built and the great reputation that it had, Susan. So. Well, I think you were instrumental in helping that become more accessible. I, I think I met you before the CVAA on this work mm -hmm. on accessible phones. There's yeah, never, we, uh, we never run out of work to do, though, do we? No, this is a journey, right? It never ends. It's like the song that never ends. It just keeps going on and on, my friend, or whatever. <laughs> That's how that band was that Mark and I were in. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, cool. Well, thanks, I just thanks. wanted to say hi and, and thank you guys. Thank, thank you. you. For all none of this is possible without you and Clark and Tony Stevens. And I don't even like mentioning names because I'm going to miss people. And, and, you know, obviously we talked with Kim earlier, you know, the members of ACB uh, who support our products, um, you know, so it, it does take a, a true partnership and, I have to say, ACB is one of the uh, best organizations that, that we partner with on this topic. And, and, you know, you're at the helm there, Eric. So kudos to you to really, uh, you know, have, have maintained and expanded that effort. When we can get together in person, we'll have to buy you a drink for saying that. <laughs> no, <laughs> this is, this is Ray, Ray Campbell, by the way. I'm going to be taking over the hosting um, as we move on through the evening here. So. Um, but uh, I'm saying as a leader uh, of ACB that, um, you know, it's it's tremendous leadership. And I think I think tremendous. Uh, I know hosts aren't really supposed to talk, but I'm going to break the rules. Um, <laughs> it, tremendous leadership from industry partners like you, Tom, and uh, the folks at Amazon and, and everybody that um, that is uh, doing this. And I think what's really been cool about all of this in the last 10 years as two things i think one is um you guys were kind of talking about it as i came on and that is how much of the stuff that it 
it makes things accessible to us. Oh, by the way, is now mainstream. I mean, everybody's got things in their house that talk, and um, and that. And then the second thing, um, not to be forgotten in what happened in CVAA is I think the tremendous amount of access that we gave, we got for, we were able to get for people who are deaf blind uh, through the yes. Eye Connect program, and uh, and uh, I think that just. Being able to do that, and uh, um, I, I was—I think I had mentioned somewhere else uh, a couple weeks ago that I remember in Phoenix during the ACB convention. I mean, that almost came out of the bill, and we we had to do some hard work to get it back in. But um, it was uh, certainly a very good, uh, uh, good, uh, a very good uh, thing. And uh, uh, the chairman of the the co-chair of the SASIC committee's already raised her hand. So. Um, I don't know what we're doing with raised hands at this point. I'll let Clark and the facilitators kind of direct that, but uh, just wanted to chime in if you guys don't didn't hope you guys don't mind. Uh, we are getting past the nine o'clock hour. Um, we will save Karen as our last voice from ACB membership. Uh, but before we get to Karen, I just want to say thank you again to Susan, Tom, and Larry. And you know, thank you for the collaboration and partnership, as well as the innovation that is taking place at AT&T, Comcast, and Verizon, as well as Verizon Media. So thank you three for celebrating the 10th anniversary of the Communications Video Accessibility Act with us here this evening. Um, and last but not least, Ray, let's recognize Karen. I get to allow my wife to talk here. Okay, here we go. Karen, you can you now allowed to talk and can talk. And you're unmuted. This is, this is Karen Campbell. I just wanted to say it Ray is right. It took a lot of work from a lot of people to get that section section one oh five, which is the equipment distribution program. It took a lot of work to get that back in. And I, for one, appreciate the work that ACB and everybody else did on that. Thank you. And and thank you, Karen. um, And thank you for the work that you do as the committee chair for ACB's um, Sight and Sound Impaired SASE Committee. So, Eric, from here on out, I, I will turn it over to you. Thanks, everybody. All right. Very good. Thank you, Clark. And uh, thanks for uh, a great discussion. And uh, wow, what a day. What a day, guys. It has been <laughs> Stevie Wonder's video, Senator Markey, a panel of, of uh, awesome uh, advocates, as well as folks that worked on the Hill. All that happened this morning. We just had this industry panel. Did you guys also know that Tim Cook retweeted our tweet of the Stevie Wonder video? This mm-hmm. afternoon. Oh, cool. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, I haven't we, seen uh, the Stevie Wonder video yet. Gotta look for that. No? Oh, I gotta look for yeah. that. <laughs> it's on our YouTube channel. Uh, and uh, it'll be that. coming out uh, tomorrow in Dots and Dashes. We're going to have a full CVAA uh, Dots and Dashes sort of commemorating today and today's events. Mm-hmm. So, awesome. Mr. Reichert, are you there? Yes, sir. Uh, and I've got a. Uh, I, can, yeah, can you hear me now? <laughs> so I, I have an audio, an audio cue 
to start us off. Hopefully you'll be able to hear this. Hold on. I hope I don't screw this up. Here we go. I don't know if you all just heard that or not. Oh, that was nice. That was the what sound of a can opening. It, it's root beer. <laughs> root beer, of course. Root beer. <laughs> yeah. And if you believe that, I got a bridge to sell you. <laughs> I am drinking. I just cracked a, a hard seltzer. I don't know if I have to give my man card away or not, but. Um, <laughs> excuse your host. Excuse your host for just a minute while he go gets, gets his drink of choice. <laughs> it's right. not, it's not a, uh, it's not a wine cooler. So you're fine. No, 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 no. <laughs> what, uh, no, no. Wine cooler stuff. No. Yeah, that's it. Oh man. What a day. And, I think uh, you were, I think you were on a, you were in a fraternity, weren't you? Yes, you were I for was, all your years yes. of college. I, I was in a fraternity for, I think three weeks or maybe it was 40 minutes. I'm not entirely sure. Um, uh, but I just remember coming in the front door of the, the fraternity house and, you know, so there'd be the cheap beer to the right in a big bin, probably, I don't know, old Milwaukee or something. And then they'd have the wine coolers to the left. So of course, naturally we never drank underage. I just want to make that crystal clear. I just want to put, you know, debunk that outright. Uh, but the, you know, the, 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 the gents would of course grab the cheap beer on the right and the young ladies would grab the wine coolers on the left. It was really, it was a whole segregated thing. It was really quite something. Wow. Yeah. Hey, this is Larry. Um, I'm going to get going because every time I get together with blind people, I can't keep up with the drinking <laughs> you guys under the table. So I'm going to go join, <laughs> join my family and have, uh, Probably something else like a scotch. Oh, you know, it's Perrier. It's no big deal. <laughs> Thank you all so much for inviting me. Uh, Larry, thanks so much for coming this evening. We appreciate it. Take good care. Take care. And for all, all of you that know me, I really can't keep up with the drinking. <laughs> So I'm also going to be dropping off, and um, thank that you. Is, <laughs> absolutely fine. I will go get my Dr. Too, Pepper or something. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Pepper. Right, all right, take care, everybody. Thanks for having me. All righty. I just want to know if someone can actually tell the difference between Dr. Pepper and Mr. Pibb. Yes, is actually, uh, before I go, yes. <laughs> oh, my absolutely. goodness. Absolutely. Mr. Really? Pibb is disgusting. Yes. Well, but, how do you what? Which is it's, it's like Pepsi versus Coke or what? I don't understand. Oh, it's it's even more, even larger difference. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I'm, I I am a connoisseur. A Are you one of those people that can actually like does wine tastings and know exactly how to describe it? I don't understand. I don't like wine. I don't like anything with alcohol in it. So I like two buck chuck. I mean, but uh, I can't tell you ah from Trader Joe's. <laughs> Uh, no, it, it all tastes like medicine. So, I, I <laughs> <laughs> so Susan, do you get yours on the rocks or do you drink it straight? No, it depends <laughs> on, on you know what crowd I'm with. Okay, you know, I got and you. how yeah. tough I want to be seen as. I okay, all right, all right. Well, take there care and go. good night, everybody. You too. All right, good thanks night. for coming tonight. Thank you, Susan. <laughs> Fun stuff, indeed. Oh uh, man, ten years, huh? Ten, unbelievable. Ten years. All right, now that they're gone, let the stories rip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can I just say that? I mean, I, I know we all. I, I just. Uh, I won't be serious for more than thirty seconds. I promise. But my goodness gracious, we've lived a gazillion lives in the last ten years. I mean, it seems like it was like a couple months ago, and it seems like decades and decades, depending on how you look at it, what mood you're in. It's just unbelievable. I mean, the whole. To say the world has changed, I mean, it's changed like a gazillion times. It's just, it's unbelievable. Yeah, who knew? I, 
I, I just, I, I just look back, and I'm sure you guys do too, and just marvel at all the um, uh, organizations that we were able to pull together uh, under coat to uh, um, get this, get this done, and and uh, and what uh, you know, what it, uh, what it's, you know, and, and all that, and what it's done, and, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it's. A, Think back over ten years. I mean, the last few months have been bad enough, but think back over the last ten years, and wow, it's just amazing. Well, yeah, and actually, why don't we why don't we do a little chronology of this stuff, uh, Mark? Because yes, you yes. actually yeah. started in on this uh, CVAA business or whatever it was called initially. Uh, the yeah. kind of the the white paper that probably. AFB had been working on language, is my guess, for a couple of years or whatever before uh, the opportunity to have this broader white paper uh, came about. But why don't you kind of take us through some of that? Because I joined ACB like mid-June of 2007, and the white paper was already in existence, Ooh. and it was sort of being, I want to say, edited, or there was some yes. version of it that already existed. And code had been fairly recently formed like within the last yep. few months of that right. so yeah. well that's right and and i was uh conspiring with uh rockfall a little bit earlier today and i know i, I i'm sorry I, I had done my homework a few days ago maybe i would have forgot my synapses firing i would have remembered that i think the white paper one of them anyway the, the sort of catalyst from a federal public policy perspective was really the uh document that karen pelt strauss did for National Council on Disability, and it was really sort of the, you know, here's, uh, it's a little ivory tower, but not, but not too much. Um, our friend KPS is not particularly ivory tower. She's pretty, pretty practical, but um, mm -hmm. it was very much aspirational and, uh, you know, not unlike what the National Council on Disability did uh, way back in the day with respect to the Americans with Disabilities Act, uh, putting together sort of a blueprint for policy change. You know, Karen kind of did that. I mean, there were lots of documents uh, that were put together. I know, and this is maybe a, uh, if I can be pedantic or more than I usually am. Um, Please I'll, be I'll pedantic. <laughs> I've been wanting yeah, to say pedantic for a while. Yeah, um, yeah, me too. If I if I actually use the word titular at any time tonight, please you know uh, put me on mute or tell me to have another sip. Um, gotcha. So in any case, I, <laughs> but I, I would say we, I, I, you know. The, the lesson for all of us to learn is there, it, the, the show never ends, as I think you just said, Eric, a little while ago. The reality of it is it's, it's, a, it's a continuum, right? People, well, what's, what's next? Well, it, I mean, the CVAA is just it's part of it. We got the law done, and there were regs, and then there was implementation, and now things have changed. And now we know that there's new things we have to do. And it, it's, 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 it's not just a full employment program for policy nerds like some of us. Uh, it's, it's called life. And, and things change and things evolve. And if, if you go backwards in time, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, when, when did video description or audio description start? I mean, good grief, early 80s. But of course, the idea for it before then. And then we tried pushing over the course of time to get that into the... I remember one of the very first things I ever did out of law school, interning with Mr. Scott Marshall um, at the American Foundation for the Blind, um, working, working for... Uh, after dinner drinks. That was the only thing that Scott was willing to pay me. Um, I think that's all I was worth, actually. Uh, but in any case, uh, we, uh, you know, we, we did a, we did a big, the big controversy in 1994 was 
doesn't uh, doesn't this requirement that was floating around in legislation at that time in 1994, 1993, and 1994 that actually would have required audio description does, doesn't that right the broadcasters so doesn't that doesn't that violate First Amendment rights? So I did this really kind of way oh, up. Oh, I remember this in the, yeah. in the in the trees or whatever uh, or thirty five thousand whatever foot thing uh, legal brief. It was the first thing I ever did, and talk about sort of prophetic or weird ironic moments. So on the cover page of that thing, uh, Scott Marshall was kind enough to have my name first. And underneath my name was a gentleman by the name of Paul Schrader, who was working as uh, some of our predecessors there at American Council of the Blind as the Director of Governmental Affairs. And underneath his name was Scott Marshall, who was the VP for Governmental Affairs at AFB. Funny thing how those three names keep coming up in my life. I don't know. Uh, I bet that's probably on my damn tombstone. All three of them are going to be on. And I'm not entirely well, sure which order. We know at least in, one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this, is, this is right. The only thing take that to the bank, buddy. The, right, right. The only thing we don't know is the expiration date and which order those names are going to be in. Yeah. But uh, my whole point with all this, Eric, is that I think, right, so that was, that was early 1990s. And then the same kind of fights keep coming up. But I mean, we see this all the time. It doesn't even have to be in this technology thing. It could be. Uh, uh, look, you've been a champion, as some of us have, but no one longer than you, uh, for um, uh, uh, industries programs and Ability One program, etc. And uh, all of us working on all kinds of things related to transportation and dog guide issues. We, we make a lot of progress, and yet it's always incremental, and it's, it's always built on uh, the proverbial shoulders of giants. And uh, so anyway, um, I don't know if that's quite the chronology you're looking for, but it, it's it's definitely a continuum. There's no such thing as, you know, okay, we got it solved now today and it's done, and now we're right. one and done or ten and done or whatever. Dude, you guys, you guys remember how excited? So, you guys remember how Hold excited? on, just a quick check here. We need to do something proper. Okay. Good evening, everybody. My name is Eric Bridges, and I work with the American <laughs> Council of the Blind, and I am joined by none other than yes. Hello. What, what is your name? <laughs> oh, you Ah, come on! Yes, yeah, it was. Well, I'm not good at the pass, you know. Yeah, so, uh, Mark Reichert, uh, first beep of ACB, and uh, currently wearing the day job hat called interim exec director for AER. And if you don't know what that is, uh, I'll tell you some other time. No, uh, it's Association for Education and Rehab of the Blind and Visually Impaired, and I'm proud to be doing that work. So, excellent. And uh, we're here this evening to reminisce. Uh, on the CVAA, what sort of led up to it? Uh, maybe tell some stories, uh, general sort of jocularity um, over the next hour or so. Uh, nothing too, nothing too heavy. Um, although I, I do have to say, you know, there were a lot of really interesting and powerful moments um, as I look back. You know, as we were going through the negotiations and and then what led up to this anniversary, the, the bill signing in the East Room of the White House. And so, um, you know, a lot went into this. Uh, there was a lot of learning done, I think it's fair to say, by everybody that was involved in the process. No joke. Um, it was, no joke. It was uh, and, and I believe still remains, the most uh, consequential piece of, of legislation uh, to be signed into law for people with disabilities since the ADA. Um, Amen. And I, That's I believe absolutely that true. wholeheartedly. Yep. So, true. <clears throat> um, and, and Mark and I had the great honor to represent our organizations as part of the Coalition of Organizations for Accessible Technology, which we uh, 
uh, talked about before as we were uh, doing the pun crosstalk. And, um, <laughs> you know, it was a great coalition and uh, made up of our two organizations at the time, the American Foundation for the Blind and ACB. Uh, sure. Mark and I were counterparts along with uh, the the deaf and hard of hearing and hearing loss community. So, uh, you know, uh, National Association of the Deaf, Hearing Loss Association of America, um, uh, Communication Services for the Deaf, and the American Association of People with Disabilities. Um, and there were other, there were probably, what, Mark, a couple hundred other state yeah. and local organizations yeah. that, that joined through that three-plus-year period. So, um, Absolutely. And I, and I want to kind of, uh, I'm winking at you now about, I'd love to hear your sort of recap, and I bet the audience would too, a little bit about Jesse Acosta. I, I, there were just some moments, and I, and I remember, you're going to remember this as soon as I say this to you, it, we, you'll, you'll, you'll tell the story, but I remember saying to this gentleman, uh, who's a hero in my book, who's, I think he should be a hero in anyone's book, quite candidly, but I remember saying to him that day, you know what, I've never been prouder to be someone who's blind, visually impaired in my life as I am today, and it's just to have someone like that get up on our behalf and... Uh, Anyway, whatever you you tell the story, it was just it was an amazing part. That was one of the hearings we did for the CBS. Yeah, well, and actually, Jesse uh, Jesse's on our podcast this week, correct, Clark? Uh, Clark, you're still on or not? You're clearly <laughs> you clearly don't have to be. <laughs> um, but uh, we actually, I believe, Clark and Claire sat down with him for uh, the awesome. CBAA 10th anniversary podcast, which I uh, yeah. wholeheartedly uh, invite people to to download and uh, and listen to. Um, get your pod mm-hmm. on, yo. Um, the advocacy yeah. update that debuted today that can be found uh, anywhere that you listen to your podcast. Oh, man, Jesse Acosta, as well as Carl Richardson, co-chair of the Audio Description Project. That's there awesome. I'm going to check that out. Very cool. Cool. No, that, so, was, that was just an awesome day. And okay. Clark, if you want to hang with us, that's cool. If you've got other things to do, like get, you know, have have some drinks or whatever. That's cool too. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Jesse, uh, Jesse Acosta is, uh, wow. What a, what a really interesting story. We, you know, we, we had this bill that had been, uh, newly introduced. Um, I forget, was it HR 3101 or 6320? Yep. Okay. 3101. Something like, like that. that. <laughs> and, um, and the, uh, the House Energy and Commerce Committee was after us to get uh, to find a blind celebrity to come and testify because we needed to have it get attention and have the sizzle of, you know, some noteworthy individual to come and talk about this. And we made it crystal clear that we didn't have any sizzle, so they didn't want us. No, they didn't want they didn't want Mark or I to. No, to we, we had no sizzle, which is kind of interesting. Anyway, we had gristle, not sizzle, but. I didn't have too much gristle back then, but anyway, we, we um, well, I've always had more gristle. You know how it is. It's just a I, thing. It's a thing. I gotcha. It's, it's yeah. genetics. Um, <laughs> so anyway. Yes. Unfortunately. <laughs> um, so we did some outreach, uh, within ACB, uh, and looking for folks that had, you know, interesting, compelling stories to tell. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Mitch Pomerantz, who was president of ACB at the time, you know, he lived in LA and he was aware of a, of a gentleman who had, um, been injured in, in Iraq, uh, a couple years before. 
um, and uh, had really gone through a lot of uh, challenges, um, physical, uh, as well as some uh, psychological and other challenges and sort of uh, re-entering civilian life, um, but was really wanting to, to, to speak and, and tell his story. And uh, that's how we came to know uh, retired Sergeant Major Jesse Acosta. And yeah. uh, I, enter, you know, I called him, I chatted with him a couple different times. Uh, he very commanding uh, voice and personality, even over the phone. And yeah. um, kind of a larger than life kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. And you know. so, uh, you know, his story, uh, he, you know, he was uh, in Iraq in 2000, I want to say 2006. And Clark, you know this better than me because you just interviewed him. But, um, you know, he got hit by, uh, I think, a mortar that uh, came over the wire and uh, got got all blown up and, and wound up having to spend many, many months in, in the hospital and lots of surgeries uh, and had, you know, some other, other uh, challenges that, that are not uncommon for soldiers, uh, you know, TBI and uh, post-traumatic stress and, and, um, and he's also now blind. Right. So um, the world totally changed. And yeah, here he is. Different perspective He's, for him. This, yeah, big, big. Uh, I would say rather imposing uh, personality, mm-hmm. and uh, we thought it would be interesting to to have him come and uh, and testify regarding the the CVAA. And um, he he and his wife and his then gigantic guide dog, like a hundred pound German <laughs> Shepherd. You remember that thing? That dog. Oh, yeah. Thank goodness that dog was so sweet and nice because that. Just physically, it was an imposing animal. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think his name was George. But anyway, <laughs> I remember sitting. I can't believe you, you remember in, that. I. That's hilarious. Uh, it's, uh, you'd be amazed at the things I don't remember that I should remember. No, but I'm just saying I, that's incredible. God, how do you remember that? That's amazing. Well, I, well, I remember Code had just a little bit of money to fly him out, right? Yep, yep, yep. And uh, we put him up in a hotel, I want to say in like Chinatown or somewhere. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. went over and met him for uh, a beer. And um, yeah. we'd prepared, you and I had prepared testimony for him. Oh, and yeah. We thought we were slick. We were going yeah. we to teach him. We were going to we teach were, him how to do just it. Just getting all the right words, right? All, mm-hmm. the, all the perfect yeah. words, like you were saying this morning on the Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. And um, we asked him if he'd had the opportunity to read it. No, not really. So then we start talking to him about it and um, he starts trying to recite what we're saying. And then um, as we were getting to know him better after a couple of beers, we just, it, it, it dawned on us both. I think that yeah, he just needs to let it rip. Like he just needs to tell his story in his the own best thing. We can do is get the hell out of his way. Yeah. And uh, the next morning, boy, did he tell his story? Yeah. And, um, he was, he was forceful. He was, uh, I think, uh, persuasive. Um, everybody listened to him. Um, and, uh, he, I forget, I forget the order of witnesses, Mark, but he went either right before or right after Gary Shapiro, who is still today, the, the head of the consumer technology association used to be known as the consumer electronics association. Yeah. And, um, 
Gary, Gary had this platitude that he used even up until just a few years ago about regulation stifling innovation. You remember that? Uh, and, um, you know, we, everything has to be a light touch, you know, regulation will stifle innovation and blah, blah, blah. And I just remember Jesse going, where's the innovation? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what innovation are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know? um, and, and like I'm all so for they, it. I just want yeah. to see it. Yeah, exactly. You know? And so he, um, he, you know, came at Gary, uh, during the, during the actual hearing and, and the hearing got a little contentious, as I recall, between members even, um, yeah, sure once or twice. And, uh, but Jesse ultimately did, did great. And then at the end of the hearing, uh, Jesse and I <laughs> were talking and I think Mark, you were there. Uh, yeah. no, you weren't far. Gary Shapiro yeah. came over to, uh, yeah. shake Jesse's hand and, uh, He's being politic. To, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To you know, hey, you know, I didn't, I didn't really mean this. You know, my wife's a retinal surgeon, and she's done retinal surgeries all around the world in third world countries, and blah blah blah. And yeah, so and, I'm one of you. I'm your friend. Yeah, I'm one of you. And, and Jesse's like, oh, stop, or something like that. Like you, you're not for us. You're against us, or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, and, no, you're right. Yep. And um, pretty soon he was like kind of muscling him, like, like, yeah, subtly. <laughs> And he had him in a corner at one point and he was talking to him and things got heated. And I don't exactly remember all that was said, but Jesse was having none of Gary Shapiro's um, shenanigans. Like there was no, um, and I just, I just remember thinking, wow, you know, I'm I'm glad nothing, nothing bad happened here. Um, I remember putting my, my, my hand on his shoulder at one point because he was kind of getting, a little heated and a little angry and yeah and it's like all right jesse it's it's all good and he's like no i'm fine Damn, it's, oh my god <laughs> and the guy's big like you I, I had no shot to like get between the two of them or whatever in the middle of a hearing room you know um, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like in the hallway or outside it was in the hearing well, room. you gotta figure like, in jesse's case right like so so this is a guy who i mean has sacrificed more than some of us will ever know for our country I mean, yeah. he knows war with a capital W, and now here he is, you know, in the halls of Congress, being all having to be subjected to this schmooziness and the and the the, the often uh, far too frequent, frankly, you know, fake smiles of Washington D.C. Yes, and it's it's a whole different world. It's a whole different world. But he he's used to hey, we're 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 <laughs> we're gearing up. We're here. We're we're here for a for a fight and uh, you know a fair fight. And all that good stuff, but but you know we're going, we're working, and anyway, both both of those attitudes have their place, I suppose. But it, that's just it was just fun to, to see him just kind of like cutting through the the what what's a polite word on a on a on a Thursday night the icing on, uh, that uh, some of these people have. Yeah, the sheen of BS. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's really, and then, that's really kind of fun. And then later that evening, um, I had been invited by National Industries for the Blind to an event in D.C., a, oh, a dinner yeah, event. I forgot about this part. Yeah, and yeah, um, I was uh, trying to meet up with, um, with, uh, with representatives from NIB, and it was in this big ballroom. And I, I hate big ballrooms when I'm by myself. I, you know, <laughs> I, I could be a thousand miles away from anybody, even though everybody's around me. And so um, 
all of a sudden, uh, there's Gary Shapiro. He walks up yeah, to me. He goes, hey, what is the deal? What, what was that about today? Like, I was a witness, man. He's, right. he's one of our what members. You, you know, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, you need control. I said, no, nah, you need to get your act together. You know, and, mm-hmm. and we kind of went back and forth and back and forth. And the people from NIB showed up. And, and I'm, I'm standing there um, having a low-level argument with Gary Shapiro. Um, <laughs> yeah. But clearly, I'm irritated. And, and they go, what what was that about? And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, our witness today at the hearing kind of made him look like a fool. And uh, well, and you know what what you're talking about is a really interesting point, which is I I I don't know about you, but I actually honestly think that people who uh, disagree with you, me, whomever, and do it in an honest, open. Hey, you know what, Mark? Um, I, 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 no, I don't agree with you. And and you gave me, as you're wont to do, thirteen of your reasons why you think you're right. Well, I'll, I'll see your thirteen reasons. And I have seventeen, and here they are. And uh, so let's uh, let's wrestle around a little bit about it, right? And then you do that, and you say, by the way, you're a pretty cool, cool dude. Um, let's hang out. Let's chat. Let's get to know each other a little more. And maybe you never agree on all of them, but you agree on some. You disagree on others. You move on. I mean, that's respect. What, what mm-hmm. I don't, I, what I have a lot of lack of patience for are the people who, and I think this is the thing that always kind of pushed, Gary's a decent f- chap, as they say. I mean, Lord knows, I mean, he's done a heck of a lot in the technology world and is clearly recognized as a leader there, and that's fine. But what I don't, what I don't, I, that kind of reaction where it's sort of like, oh, come on, you all, it's the patcha on the head. What's the matter with you? Get in line, Ooh. boy. That, that kind of thing. I mean, that that kind of stuff, and especially like his attitude to, to you. Like, you know what? First of all, if anything, a, a, a truly open and honest reaction would have been, yeah, what else do you expect? He's a, here's this, wow, good for you. Boy, you guys really rocked it today. You kind of kicked our ass, if you'll excuse the crudity. You, you did some good stuff today. Wow, I guess we're going to have to up our game if we're going to. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of wrestle around with you, right? And tease you a little bit about it and have fun with it and move on. Instead of this this condescending put you in your place, gee whiz, can't you can't you control the folks down on the plantation? I mean, no, that's I know. just a knock. <laughs> I know. And now he, you know, my wife's a retinal surgeon. And, and what was so funny, I, I remember this. Um <laughs> Jesse goes, but your wife isn't you. <laughs> 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 Well, I, I have to say the one, and and I, I don't. I, we should make sure that before we hang up tonight, that we we pick on at least two other people other than Gary. But I'll I'll share that honestly, the most uh, frustrating moment, and then maybe we should focus on the happiest moments uh, other than the White House signing ceremony ten years ago today. Excuse me, I'm about to sneeze. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Is uh, see, I'm all choked up as a result of all this. Uh, I, I was so frustrated by uh, this essentially news story that was planted in the Washington Examiner, uh, formerly the Washington Times, uh, associated with Unification Church. And ordinarily, I don't bring up religion, but I'm sorry. I, I just I'm, I'm just making that point just because because um, I'm a Lutheran and I can, uh, and there's no one here to stop me. Um, you know, I heard, the, I've been hearing uh, that you're a Lutheran for a while. So. <laughs> well, you wouldn't know it to, to watch my behavior, but I mean, we all we all uh, thank God for grace. That's all we're saying, uh, and I'm not even sort of kidding about that. Um, 
So I, um, I it, it was, we were going into this hearing on Capitol Hill and, uh, and it was like the, the day before that morning or something. And because of the context that <clears throat> Mr. Shapiro and our friends at what was then named CEA, hell did that stand for? Electronics. Uh, no, similar electronics. And so they planted this story and the headline, I'm not going to get it exactly, but the headline was something like Democrats want to regulate your iPhone. Yep. That was the headline. And, and, and the thing that was, look, up until that point, first of all, our entire proceeding, well, we are avowedly nonpartisan. All of us are certainly AFB was, ACB is, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, number one, number two, we never played favorites, no matter what our little personal politics were. I mean, I can testify to that. Sure, I know you can. We never did. Yeah. We're no. always, and we didn't have to because at that time, the truth was, particularly at the staff level, and the members too, for sure, but, but especially at the staff level, these were people who were willing to, you know, there was not this weird pitchfork throwing flames at each other kind of thing. I, people were really of goodwill coming together trying to work. Yeah, they had disagreements about policy. And, they would be, you know, committing Capitol Hill malpractice if they didn't. <laughs> but but they, they came together for good reason. Anyway, so this headline was, was a lie on just about every way you could look at it. Because the Democrats weren't doing it. Both parties were helping to do something. Second, neither party was trying to be aggressive with regulations. Lord knows. I mean, I, and I've said this before. I think we, we can all rightfully boast about the CVAA, but the, the, the truth is, for as many words as there are on the page, and for as many regulation pages of regulations, it's a pretty modest, I mean, talk about a light touch, it is, it's a light touch. I mean, the, the folks who wanted the light touch, they got it. Now, in some areas, for sure, you know, we pushed a little harder, certainly in the audio description area, for sure. I mean, you know, because quite frankly, we've been kind of hosed over the years on a couple of those issues, and we weren't going to have it. But on balance, it, it, it's a it's a light touch bill. So so that that part. So it wasn't just the Democrats and regulation. No, it wasn't regulation with a capital R. It was very much a sort of trend setting thing. And then of course the big lie is Democrats wanting to regulate your iPhone, at, at, which is <laughs> at that time one of the singular most accessible, arguably the only fully accessible. It, it was the only fully. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so it just, just anybody, it was gratuitous. It was intended to be disruptive and, and, and to try to introduce partisanship into a process that, you know, look, we can see today how polarized things are. So it was just one of these, just inside the beltway, purely cynical moves. And as you can tell from the tone of my voice, I'm not entirely sure that I, I've completely forgiven Gary for that. I, 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 it just, and, and especially, and here's, I guess, maybe the, the punchline, then I will shut up and toss the ball back to you. And, and that's by saying he and CEA didn't have to do that. I mean, I, I think ACB has got, you know, I've said this before. I said this when I was running for, for first VEEP for this organization. I mean, I think we, we definitely punch uh, well above our weight for sure. And we can hold our heads high about that. And that's true for a lot of the blindness organizations. But let me tell you something. CEA can, or CTA now, and any number of these organizations, if they ever really put their foot down and said, look, Congress, I get what you're saying, We're thus far and no more. If they ever decided to do that, I mean, yeah, we could make a case and we could make a good moral argument and all, but they could eat our lunch. And he could have done that. 
just by doing what they do, just by the context that they have. He did not have to do, or they, whoever the hell made that decision, they didn't have to do it. And I think that's the part that's hardest for me to emotionally let go of because it was a, it was just over the top and they could have just done it in a much, they could have achieved exactly what they wanted to achieve without going there. Hey, uh, gentlemen, just to let you know, you've got about seven uh, audience members out there. I don't know where you want to bring them in, but um, I just wanted to let you know you got about seven people out in your audience tonight. So, how much are they offering? Like, so we should start <laughs> the bidding. Let's do let's do an ACB auction right now. Well, I'm a pretty uh, good auctioneer. Here, so. first, yeah, uh, let's bid on the first question. So, I, I, I let's see. Uh, how about we start the first question at a hundred bucks? <laughs> let's see how many hands go down or go up <laughs> oh, I can my try that <laughs> but so, so, so Eric I don't know if you want to react to what I just said or if you want to maybe we'd be better if we why don't we find some happy things I, I, I know there's some fun yeah. stories Lord knows we well, had a lot of time at the bar our little group chit chatting and building some I mean just lifelong camaraderie Lord knows I built it with you and that's just one of the Best friendships of my life. Um, but I think, uh, you know, uh, there's definitely some happy moments, too. And maybe oh, yeah. Focus on some of those. Too. You know, something, um, you know, we were t- you were talking about the article referencing the iPhone. And mm-hmm. I want to say within the first couple weeks of uh, my employment at <coughs> ACB starting, there was an article that I believe I still have in one of my folders. Um it was a Wall Street Journal article, and it was an interview with Steve Jobs. And the, mm-hmm. the, the title of the article was A Buttonless World. And so this uh, spoke to the fact of the recent announcement of the first generation iPhone. And um, I remember, <laughs> Mark, it scared the hell out of me. Thinking about a phone that didn't have any buttons on it. It was a touchscreen how in the hell we were like, how is this going to work? And also there were some other funny anecdotes in there. Like apparently Steve jobs hates buttons. Like he doesn't wear, he he never wore like button down shirts and you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh wow. Just like totally bizarre, but, and you know, very much Steve jobs. Right. But I remember reading this and, and this was going to become a reality. This wasn't like futurist Ray Kurzweil stuff. This, this yeah, yeah, yeah. phone was going to be released in the coming weeks, yep. you know, to, yep. to, uh, to the commercial, you know, market. <clears throat> and, and yep. I'm going, man, you know, we need our buttons and we need, you know, <laughs> uh, and now what am I doing? I'm talking to you, uh, through the zoom app on my iPhone and yeah. well, <laughs> my well, AirPods. Well, it's you know, it's like, yeah. Well, as part of that, Eric, I remember, too, because we were, like, so mad at Apple because it's like, hey, you put voiceover into all the Macs. Why didn't you put it on the iPhone, for gosh sakes? Yeah, and it, and but, it turns uh, out that they'd started working on it, but it, it took a while. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's the thing that's so – and we've talked about this before about – I think even Larry on the previous uh, – in the previous show was talking about this. That he made the comment. None of us were expecting, you know, either the accessible iPhone or certainly none of us were expecting, uh, you know, a, a buttonless uh, gizmo. And that's mostly true. I mean, you, you had our, our sort of in the blindness system brains like, uh, oh, oh, my God, I'm having a middle aged moment. Trace Center. Help me out here. Greg Vanderheiden. Greg Vanderheiden. Yep. 
little shout out to him. I mean, there were people who, you know, long, many years ago, well, you know, here are these flat screens and kiosks and blah, blah, blah. And you know, here's an approach you could do if you, but unlike, you know, brains like that, Lord knows I wasn't one of them. I mean, I don't think by and large, <clears throat> we had a real sense of not just, uh, <laughs> you know, imagineering, if you will, right, what's going to happen down the road, you know, 10, 20 years, but then how we would quote unquote cope with it. There's probably a better phrase, but you get my point. I, some, somebody has, I'm, I hope thinking about that right now. And, and, and so as we think about what is the 2030 or 20, you know, 2030, 2040 analog, if you will, to what we're dealing with now and what that technology looks like. And is somebody starting to think through that? Is somebody starting to think about, the accessibility features of it, or maybe it's one of those things where it's a, such a fundamental paradigm shift that the people who are building that stuff are like, oh, you mean barriers that people who have some kind of sensory issue? I mean, by definition, we would never come up with technology that would do, by definition, this is something that goes right past that stuff. This is, who was it? Somebody on the previous panel said, you know, it's a, something that connects up with your brain or whatever. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? And so how do we think through that and anticipate it? So when you said just a second ago, reading that article and being spooked by it, so, right, because who knows what the future holds? And, you know, uh, when you don't know something, no, the unknown and we is were scary. fighting. Oh, my gosh. And we were fighting back in that time just to get, you know, third party software uh, that was yeah. halfway decent that we could load on to a phone. And by the way, that phone. And, and software costs the same amount of money, so you're paying as ostensibly double for for accessibility, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, to to make that phone accessible, whether it was a Nokia or Moto Q or whatever, yep, Mobile Speak and Talks, right? Yeah, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. yep. And or to, um, software costs more than the gizmo you put it on. <laughs> Mark, as I answer your, uh, this is Clark, by the way, to respond to your statement about the previous panel, I will do that if you may do me a favor and open up your Gmail inbox. Um, I would like you to channel uh, a previous role, your resolutions committee chair role, um, and read ACB resolution um what was it? Twenty ten dash zero three. That was part of this advocacy <laughs> effort. And, and and as you are as you are pulling that up, I'll say it was Larry Goldberg from Verizon Media who mentioned, you know, what are we going to have neuro implants for you know brain communication? He referenced the the work that he and others are doing with Teach Access at teachaccess.org to ensure that accessibility is taught to the computer professionals of tomorrow, as well as being part of the uh, XR, um, you know, inclusion and accessibility working group so that we have augmented and artificial uh, intelligence and user interfaces that take accessibility and usability into account. Well, it looks wow. like Clark. I'm going to have to owe you a you know two or three beers. I've got myself a, a what appears to be a, a battery dead braille display. So I think I think I'm going to take a pass on that. But oh. maybe one of some, one of our friends uh, who is who actually has some working dots. Uh, 
you can make that happen. But um, that, it, it's, it's, it's fun that you would probably like that's, that. Um, so, that's one of the resolutions I shared with you guys, right? Um, it is. It is so. the yeah. resolution. Yep. It is the resolution that uses the word, Mark? Eviscerate. <laughs> probably the oh, yeah. only resolution in ACB history that utilizes the word eviscerate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, 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 it's all right. Although, given yeah, given did. some of the contentious resolutions that we've adopted down through the years, uh, there's probably other uh, synonyms or whatever that that have been used. But yeah, what's not a classic right? phrase that our, one of our sister organizations did seem to use more condemn than and once? Condemn the yes. yes, condemn and deplore. You betcha. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, we don't do that. We don't. We we neither condemn nor deplore. Or at least, if we do, we 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 do it in a in a very sweet, professional way. And in summary, this was the resolution uh, that Karen Campbell referenced earlier from yes. the convention in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, calling upon the House Energy and Commerce Committee to enact the strongest possible legislation. Um, to protect access for people with disabilities, including the deaf-blind community, and yep. really fighting hard to reinstate, I believe she said it was Section 105, um, yes. the deaf-blind equipment program. And so, there was kind of an interesting thing that happened there. Um, there was not agreement on uh, the fund that the that those monies should be drawn from. You remember that, Mark? Uh, mm-hmm. It was it was the Universal Service Fund that was mm-hmm. um, the fund a that straight up tax. Uh, let's be honest, it's a tax. Yeah. let's let's it call it what it is. It's a tax, and and um, it was a fund that was being um, taken advantage of by everyone. Um, there was a lot of fraud, if I'm remembering correctly, in that fund, um, and and so. What wound up happening was it went to the the TRS fund, right? Didn't the monies come mm-hmm. from that uh, eventually? Mm-hmm. We yep. we agreed. I mean, that's kind of a nerdy thing to remember, but um, it it did um, have an impact on on that being kind of taken out of the bill for a little while um, because there was not an agreement on where the those funds would come from. Well, right. So maybe two. Two quick nerdy thing. I, I just I can't help myself. I'm sorry. I so I, the first thing is the Universal Service Fund had a reputation of being a tax, even though the truth is, I mean the the fund, the so-called uh, telephone relay service. I mean, look, these are all monies that are collected in various ways. It's not like uh, you know uh, uh, deaf and hard of hearing folks are getting their services paid for by you know the Howard Hughes estate, right? I mean, by definition, these are all funds you you and i are contributing to them there's no question but but the rap on the U, on the universe well that was a tax and people got excited about that and but the other piece of it is you know certainly you and i weren't in a position as you know blind dudes uh to 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 start volunteering other people's money no matter how tempted some of us might have right. been to do it uh to to say well gee whiz uh you've got all this you know this ton of cash in this other thing don't you think you might carve out i think it's a billion dollars in the in the telephone this is not small change uh, by any measure even in the federal budget context it's not small change but whatever uh it really wasn't i wasn't gonna say our place but it, it would have been bad news and so it was great to see the champion from the national association of the deaf rosalind crawford whom i think you know we all have tremendous respect uh am i wrong does she still work for the commission the federal communications commission i, I believe so had, yeah 
So, I, you know, I, I mean, uh, certainly uh, a, a fellow uh, warrior in these wars. But anyway, I, you know, it was her who spoke up on behalf of folks who were deaf and hard of hearing and saying, hey, so here's this fund. It benefits our community for sure. And uh, yeah, we're, we're prepared to step up. And it's not a huge sacrifice. But, you know, in Washington, D.C., if you got your hands on no matter how small the piece of pie is, you aren't giving up a a forkful to anybody. And, and, and so no matter how big it is or small or whatever, and they were willing to do it. So I think, you know, that lesson, right? The two lessons, if, if something's got a, a reputation behind it that you just can't shake, maybe it like attacks like that, no matter how unfair the characterization is, you got to find an alternative approach. And then the second piece is you got to have allies who, especially if it's their turf, you know, that you got to befriend them, work them, and let them, let them take the lead on it. Let them take the credit for it. Who the hell cares who gets the credit for what, uh, so long as the work gets done. And now, as a result, we got $10 million a year for what? However many years that program's been in full force. And countless number of our deafblind brothers and sisters who got their hands on some technology. The other compromise we had to make, though, and you'll remember this too, Eric, I think one of the things was they were like, so if we're going to do this, is this for... Everyone and their brother and sister, maybe we ought to limit this in some fashion. And that's how it ended up becoming a, a program focused on low-income uh, deafblind folks. And, I, you know, sh- should everyone who's deafblind get their hands on some technology? Sure. And yet, if you were going to have to build some public policy and make some compromises, uh, I don't know about you. I have no problem lifting up people who have certainly not had as much privilege as I've had and, 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 uh, and focusing on them. So. Anyways, yep, absolutely. That's a nice story. Yeah. Mark and Eric, looking at the attendee list, um, we have Melanie Brunson as a, an attendee this evening. Melanie Brunson, oh my uh, God! I don't, I don't know if Melanie, if you would like to raise your I hand, it's time for her or to be unmuted, but however, you have a, that commercial uh, is. I can, I can <laughs> find her. I can find her. Nope, there she is. Yeah. I will. Uh, I can her. think of other ways to spend retirements, um, to RVing <laughs> around around the country rather than reliving war stories with. Uh, Eric one of the and youngest Mark. guys on this call, but that's fine. And yet, so, here you are, Clark. Here you are. <laughs> yeah. So, Clark, should I bring yeah. Melanie in then? I I think, I think it would be great. All right, Melanie, you are an unmute and talk. Hello. Hello. Hey, there she is! Yay! Woohoo! You guys, you guys are taking me down memory lane. I'm, I'm really <laughs> enjoying that. I joined yep. the, the Facebook Live um, thing this morning, and uh, yeah, you know, and I think I think you're right. I think that um, the CVAA was was the best, um, the most impactful piece of legislation for our community um, since the ADA. And, and I, you know, sitting here thinking about it, um, I, I, was, um, I was thinking that it's, it's still having a tremendous impact. Yep. I think that the CVAA, you know, you were talking about the whole um, issue Eric created by by the Steve Jobs article about the buttonless world, and there were people at the time who were literally terrified yes. of those flat screens. Yes, yes. and yeah. now you know not only do most of those people have them, 
but you know and they may not be iPhones but but they're the technology that came out of that bill created you know not only the the accessible smartphones but your cable boxes um i think you know all of the personal assistants that we have now and so it it made all of us more comfortable with those technologies but it also created a awful lot of opportunities for for blind people to realize they could go into the tech field and influence what happens hereafter and i just and and it opened the eyes of the tech industry to the capabilities of our community in I'm, ways I'm, I'm i'm living proof of that melanie yeah. yeah and and i think i think it did you know it really moved the bar along in you know not just the technology field but the employment field and and a whole lot of other the communications industry and just you know a ton of ways that we didn't even foresee at the time well, and that's what I was trying to say before, which is I I I, I don't want to be uh, I don't want to be a middle school student anymore. Middle school is not too fun, but I would be really interested to live like to all of a sudden pop into the brain of a a blind kiddo in middle school today. Oh, the angst. Tw- yeah. Right, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> ah, and and uh, and 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 I, and I <laughs> but 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 honestly, the serious side of that is. I mean, imagine being a young person at that age or even younger, let's say even younger people, right? You're a young blind kiddo. And and your experience is that, well, of course, TV has a special thing that I, I mm-hmm. click this button and I can hear the script. Of course, my computer talks to me. Of course, my I've got this thing everyone else is using. Into. I mean, I, it's, it's not, you don't see it as something special. And, you know, I just feel like such an old timer. These young people today, they don't appreciate, you know what? As I look back on it now, they, they sh- yes, they should honor the people that helped them get there. But they should, they have, they have every reason in the world to expect that that technology is working like that. Damn right. And just yeah. imagine, Damn right. yep. and, and just imagine what, what, if they say, well, that's, that's the way the world, you know what they're going to say? Well, why can't we do this? That's right. I mean, after all, <laughs> what's that? They're going to think they, yeah. more. Yep. Hey, yeah. the games! I want to play games with my friends. Uh, <laughs> right. It's it's rising expectations and 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 the notion because they're just going to assume well, that's the way the world is. It's not, uh, and that's the way it should be. But gee whiz, there's there are gaps that they're going to point to and say, "Well, I don't, why haven't we fixed that yet?" You know, we're right. 20, 30, 40 years ago. The rest of us would say, well, "You don't know how good you have it." You know what? Let them have it. Let them enjoy it. And they should continue the fight. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's interesting having, a, you know, a son who can see. And, um, you know, in order for him to watch TV, he has to deal with voice guidance, right? <laughs> so he's got to listen oh, yeah. to voice guidance. <laughs> and, but one of the interesting aspects of this whole thing, guys, is, um, and Rebecca and I were talking about it uh, a few months ago in the middle of the pandemic, like, or are we in the middle of the pandemic? Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you know, is this helping him to understand the words on the screen better by hearing yeah. them as well as seeing them? And we firmly believe that it has. He yep. knows words because he's hearing them and he's, yep. um, he's 
you know, the multimodal or whatever, the, the inputs and he's, he's taking it in, by the way, the little, the, the little booger has learned how to swipe <laughs> on the iPad with voiceover oh, yeah. on and double tap. Oh, so he knows, he knows, you know, he knows how to do a lot of things that um, actually he knows how to freak like, daddy out. He can just kind of mess with you. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's all right. You just wait until he's 14. You're going to have a good time with that. Oh, good heavens. Yeah. Hey, Melanie, where, where in the country are you right now? <laughs> we are, <clears throat> we are in Texas. All right. Yeah. We are in, uh, about 40 miles from San Antonio, Texas. Are, are you in like been some really cool March zooped up? What's that? Go ahead. Been here since March 1st. We were, um, no. We were, uh, we have not been anywhere since the, the pandemic. Oh boy. Well, I was going to ask you if you were in some cool zooped up RV with a, oh, yeah. like, you know, satellite dish on the top and yeah, God knows what else. We, do. we have a satellite dish. We have. <laughs> I was joking. You're serious? Oh my gosh. How about that? You're required for sound there. Good for well, you. you know, especially now. I mean, we can't go anywhere, so we, we better have. Well, the, <laughs> entertainment, yeah. Entertainment, yeah. Do you, do you, do you, and you have a nice accessible uh, sunlight uh, uh, provided to you. Actually, yeah, it uh, it does it does work pretty well, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's uh, it, uh, it it the it does have voice guidance now. So thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. Now all you yeah. need is an autonomous RV instead of a you know that way you can. Yeah, Keep, well, uh, no, Lyle, we busy. We well, we don't, we don't do that. I'm, that'll be interesting. I was thinking about that a while ago because you know the difficulty is, of course, this is this is a truck. Put, we we have a, a fifth wheel trailer which you oh, tow uh-huh. with the truck, uh-huh. and uh-huh. so I'm not quite sure how the technology, well, how well developed the technology would be for accommodating that at this point. I think I'm going to have to wait a while. Yeah. Oh, cool. Well, hey, uh, hey, Melanie. Um, I, I was really uh, sorry to hear about Sparta, and um, uh, thank you. And uh, she was a uh, a lot of fun to to get to know and have in the office with uh, with General. So with General, yeah, yeah. It uh, she was. She went. She th- went through a lot of the wars with us. And she she was the one you, you and I switched dogs one day in a cab. Oh my God, <laughs> that's right. Yes, yes, we did. <laughs> that was that was. Uh, yeah, she went willingly. That was funny. Yeah, yeah. very compliant. <laughs> you know what? That that's 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 good staffing right there by the dogs. That you know they just like okay, they're confused, but we got to help them. That's fine. <laughs> well, they'll figure it out eventually. Yeah, that's roll right. with it. Roll with it. But Other yeah, duties as assigned. Indeed. That's what I figured at the time. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, thanks for, um, thanks for listening in tonight and, and, uh, checking out the Facebook live this morning. That was, that was oh, very it's cool. Yeah, and, um, it was, it was a lot of fun for those that didn't hear at the beginning of this. Um, cause we had a rather uneven beginning to this show cause Mark and I are just <laughs> that way. Um, I'm glad we snuck that stuff in before the disclaimer. That was that, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, the, so the Stevie Wonder video uh, we tweeted out, uh, you know, essentially 
an hour or so after the Facebook Live. And uh, so it's on our YouTube channel. But uh, about 90 minutes later, uh, Tim Cook retweeted it over his Twitter feed. Yeah. 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 So I was really, really happy about that. And we've been talking with Apple about trying to, um, you know, get some uh, support for, you know, the the stuff we were going to be doing today. And they were all about trying to trying to support us, but they wanted to figure out a way to do it. And obviously you guys heard Tim Powderly this morning on the Facebook live and, um, mm-hmm. you know, in his role at Apple, uh, you know, he, he, uh, man, he's done a lot of stuff, really cool stuff with Apple, uh, the health app, all the regulatory stuff with the health app he's responsible for. Wow. Um, he's got, I mean, he's got like one of the top two or three jobs, within the company as it pertains to governmental affairs. Um, and I'm just, I'm so happy that he's there because honestly, Me too. He's, just a, he's a really, he's <laughs> and he's been there for a decade, like literally yeah. what Mark, a couple months after the CBAA yeah, pretty much. signing, he left totally. and um, he is so not Washington. And I love that about him because I yeah. think it allows him to do so much more uh, good, frankly, and, yeah. and real yeah. stuff. Well, he, and he's just such a genuine person. You and I were joking about this. Yeah. First of all, there's two things I want to say about Tim Powdery. Number one, he's whip smart. I don't think I've ever met any staffer who's any smarter than him. Lord knows, thank God he's on our side, because I wouldn't want to be on the other side of the no. negotiating table with him. And number two, like you say, he's, he's it's just surprising. He is so not inside the beltway. Not that I think he's some dumb surfer dude. But he does have a little bit of this, you know, especially 10 years ago. It's just like this young guy and Joe Cool. Like, I've never been that cool. I, I wish I could. I would have oh, I'm sure you cool. were at one point. No, hell no. If I, if, if I ever was, it was like for seven minutes when I wasn't paying attention. But in any case, he was just, he was very just like, so, yeah, whatever. He was just very smooth and laid back. But, you know, the thing about it is, and this is what I was kind of saying before in the previous show, but with with uh, with uh, Susan Masrui, it's 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 awesome to build those kind of connections with people who Wait, not, no, I mean, Tim Paddley, it's not that he was a nobody. In fact, he was a somebody. He definitely you, know, you look, you don't get to be one of the professional staff in a committee like that and not have your stuff together. So, I mean, he, he was, you know, he had he was he had it going on, as they say, but he was a young guy and ambitious and wanting to do some things and. And yet, because of the work that we did with him, now the royal we, but especially ACB and Eric, especially you, we've got a we've got a contact with a leading member, like arguably one of the most important technology companies on the planet. And it, it is, and it's because of the work that that's gone on before. And arguably, you could say that about Susan. We could go down the whole roster of names, and that, that's just what's so fun about this. It's like this is not theoretical stuff. This is real world, and those kind of connections absolutely make all the difference. It's, it's just very cool. I have a funny story about Potterly and Mark. I don't know if you remember <laughs> this, but it, it's uh-huh. uh, you know it's after nine o'clock at night, so we can share a little bit of salty language. So <laughs> um, we um, so Tim went to Penn State for his undergrad, mm-hmm. and obviously I went to the University of Iowa. Everybody knows that. Go Hawks! Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, during this period of time, Iowa went on like a four or five game winning streak against Penn State. <laughs> it was just awesome. Didn't matter if it was home or away. Iowa would beat Penn State. Didn't matter if Penn State was good. Iowa was better. And this one Monday afternoon, there's like, I don't know, 
12 <laughs> or 15 of us that met on the hill. Mm-hmm. It was some combination of industry plus our steering committee, Mark. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting around this big conference table. And he comes in and the first words out of his mouth in the room is, Bridges, don't give me shit about the football game. <laughs> I was like, well, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. So, can I just say that yeah. there were moments like that, that I, I, as, as probably one of the principal nerds involved in this process, you know, I, I just feel, felt like I couldn't compete. So, so I went to undergrad at Stetson university, which is known for the hats and the cologne. And the only, we didn't have a football team. We had a basketball team, which I mean, I don't even know what their reputation was. Hell, I don't even know if they even showed up to the games. Honestly, I, I think they, they said that they played. What do I know? But apparently the, the chant, if you went to the games was go hats. So when really? you were chanting go Hawks, our people were chanting go hats. That's because it was the Stetson Hatters. That was the name of the. The team, and can I just say for the record that not the Mad Hatters, but just the Hatters. Yeah, well, uh, yes, that's right. The Stetson Hatters. That's correct. No, yeah, that's okay. right. So, so, but uh, needless to say, nobody trembled in fear. Right? Like you do not instill fear in the heart of the enemy when you chant "Go Hats." It's no. nobody. Nobody quaked in fear when that's an approach. Go ask Yeah, No. no. <laughs> Hey, what happened to the seven people that we had in the queue? Um, I, what are we? I didn't mean. We actually. I, I, I didn't mean to scare them off when I wanted to auction off. You still, still, still got seven, and um, right. Brian Charleston, in fact, has his hand up, and I, I know he was pretty instrumental in some of this. So yeah. So I'm going to bring Brian. Brian, you should be allowed to unmute and talk, sir. Good evening, Brian. Good evening, ladies and oh. gentlemen. Assuming ah, the, the Melanie's still around somewhere. Um, I, you know, not, not being sexist or anything. I was thinking about uh, your whole talk about the flat screen phone business. Mm-hmm. I had such a wonderful time at about that time because I got a grant that allowed me to create a, an online course on accessible smartphones. So I got to go out and buy one of each phone that pretended to be accessible. I had five I remember on my this. body yes. at all times. And what I did was I, I, I really put all my effort into one phone for a month, wrote the courseware for that, then did the next phone for a month and did the coursework on that. Um, and by the time I got it all done, you know, three of the five of them were obsolete because these things just don't stay on the market that long. Uh, but I, I set myself a goal. I said, you know, pick which one you think you want to keep because the grant would allow me to continue to use one of these smartphones. And I was so sure it was going to be a smart flip phone. Wrote that down. Which one do you think is the least likely to make it for you? By God, I put down that Apple, that iPhone thing. After all, it had no buttons. How is a button ever going to pull this off? And when it was all said and done, the I trashed, literally dropped into the trash can the other four phones and kept the iPhone. <laughs> so that yeah. scare of the of the buttonless world was absolutely real. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and even in the early days, trying to teach students clicking and tapping and swiping and and God help us if you had to teach somebody the rotor and oh. <laughs> all of those kinds of things, right? Yeah. Just really, really difficult. 
at the time. When it when it came to the you know the pioneers of this whole uh, accessibility thing, I think the one thing we none of us realized was we'd be dealing with such a moving target. We have this thing in technology, the rapidity of change. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it takes you two years to make something accessible, but it has a shelf life of one year, yeah, what do you do? Yeah. What do you do under those yep. circumstances? In my house here right now, I have, oh, I don't know, uh, eight uh, Lady A devices. Can't say to anything other than Lady A mm-hmm. or three of them will respond. Uh, and, <laughs> and you'll be in an I endless have, loop. If you do that. <laughs> absolutely. Somebody said something, uh, shall we say, a colorful metaphor in the kitchen earlier today, and it started doing its rendition of uh, expelling body gases. You got to be careful around these things. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I have a, uh, you, I have this kid. His name's Tyler. Yeah. He's six. He lives yeah. in our house. He's our, uh-huh. <laughs> he, he, he loves to tell her to fart. Exactly. Exactly. I, oh. I, I gotta be honest with you. I'm a pretty high minded guy, right? You know, finger in the air. Um, I laugh every time. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So these devices are so such a part of my life now. I can't imagine <laughs> taking a step backward from them. The one here in the in the bedroom wakes me up in the morning, gives me the morning news report, tells me whether or not I want to stay in bed because the weather's like crap out there or whatever. But I also have I heard you say earlier today you're wearing an Apple Watch, Eric, yeah. right? Yep. And is it a six or what? I've got a five. Uh, Rebecca got, got it for a, me in August. I got for my a birthday. five, and Kim got it for me because uh, her employer gives a gift for people after 35 years of employment. And yeah. one of the options she had was an Iowa Apple Watch. And was that your birthday or Christmas gift? Oh, th- this was a, honey, <laughs> I'm sorry, I've been giving you such crap for the last X months. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, it, I like those. Wasn't, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll take, take, take advantage of that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so there's that, and there's the, you know, the, I was mentioning earlier today this uh, incredible device plugged into my arm. The uh, the Libre? Yeah, the Libre. Brian, that was what an a, amazing story you told on the Facebook Live thing. Right? I, I mean, I, I heard a little bit from your, your, your better half, as Eric likes to call her, but I, I before, but that was awesome. Uh, and maybe you ought to recapitulate it for a quick second well just just that um about a uh, what a year ago july i retired from the carroll center as the head of technology program there and about the same time i was diagnosed with diabetes now i was mm-hmm. tipping the scale at that time at about 300 pounds and i'm six feet mm-hmm. tall mm-hmm. so since then i you know i did like every other blind person did use the you know, prick their finger and use one of these talking glucose meters to try to get that drop of blood on that strip. It wasn't the pain of the stick so much. It was the delicate balance of touching uh, uh, a test strip to a bead yeah. of blood without knowing exactly where the sucker is. Mm-hmm. And so you'd have to prick yourself three or four times to get one reading. You can imagine mm-hmm. how often you wanted to read your blood sugar. Well, this thing I started using and... I check my blood sugar uh, once every 30 minutes or so because it's just a <laughs> swipe of my phone across it, mm-hmm. and it can tell me where I am. And it does change your behavior just knowing the blood sugar's high, so maybe I'll take a pass on that cookie right now. 
<laughs> and you add all that up. And in the course of uh, the last 12 months, I've lost 70 pounds. And I've gone from needing 80 units of insulin each morning to this past week, I was taken off insulin altogether. That's just amazing. Brian. So it and again, it's an access to information. It's not that, that this has cured me, but it's allowed me to know in the way that just is a behavior changer. Well, and this is exactly what I was trying to drive at earlier to, on the previous uh, 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 session when we were talking about, you know, so many. Yeah. Is it is it cool that we can watch our favorite sports or is it cool that a nerd like me might actually learn about sports as a result and have it? Or what about doing stocks? What about doing this? What, yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. And by the way, uh, these are not this is they, it's no it's no joke. This is life or death stuff. It's life or death stuff, and it's it's not just quality of life. It's prolonging the lives we have, controlling who we are. I mean, it's just it's just it's awesome. It's awesome. All right, you guys have one more hand up, um, Aaron. I'm gonna no. It, I'm having uh, what's that? Oop, I just cut Brian there. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, Thanks for right. joining us, Brian. Yeah, uh, that's just an amazing story. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Aaron, yeah. you're, you're there. There you are. Oh, yeah, I just want to say how great this was. Um, I missed the morning one. I don't know what was up with uh, when I was trying to connect to the Facebook uh, link that got sent out, but I missed that. But I did get the – I'm here out in the West Coast in California. I did it uh, about two years ago. I was out there in Washington. I actually got to meet uh, Brian, uh, and they went out to lunch, and Eric, I got to shake his hand. And, um, cool. I just want to say how good the, the ACB has been uh, to me and uh, – and uh, how interested I am in getting more involved. Um, you guys are doing a lot of good work with the CVAA. Uh, and the refreshment, I think it was, uh, during you guys talked about it during convention. Um, that was really interesting. And, um, yeah, I just want to say what a good, good job you guys are doing with everything. And and today was super good. Um, well, thank I, you very I'm much. Doing. We'll take a pat on the back from you anytime, man. Yeah. No, yes. I, I appreciate that. Were you part of the the next generation crowd that uh, was in DC? Uh, yeah, um, I, uh, yeah, yeah, that and the students too. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I remember meeting you. Absolutely, yeah, that was great, guys. Hopefully, uh, this thing the COVID can be over, so I can uh, meet you guys some more and hang out. And just keep getting involved with uh, ACB. I believe in a lot of what you guys are doing. I just uh, think you guys should be way more aggressive. Uh, that's the only um, thing I don't like. Uh, you guys need to be more aggressive when it comes to everything. I, everything, huh? Everything, everything. <laughs> everything. When well, I, rock and, and roll, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, hey, thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in tonight, and I uh, hope you're going to our community events throughout the course of the week, uh, like this one. And uh, glad to have you aboard, Aaron. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Aaron. Okay, no more hands, guys. All right, and we are uh, we're within a couple minutes here, Mark, of uh, of time. So, I mean, we're any, actually uh, finishing on time. That's amazing. How do we do well, that? I mean, we're on that glide path right now. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I see he's like, "Don't screw it up, man. Just, <laughs> just just trim it, yeah. trim it. Careful, careful. Oh, good. I'm I'm off All tomorrow. Right. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you're off tomorrow. I am. I'm, Who the hell allowed that? My God, what, what I know. kind of operation are we? Taking a day off in a while. 
So don't we have a holiday on Monday? Somebody told me yeah, we, we do. have a holiday on Monday. That's that's why I'm taking tomorrow. <laughs> is, 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 is that like Vic is that Vikings Day or who really discovered America Day or whatever it was? The, uh, I don't know what what they're calling yeah. it. <laughs> but I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> I don't know. It used to be Columbus Day. Yeah, um, right, but uh, like indigenous people or something. I don't know. Um, oh boy, I'm, I'm going to hear from I'm going to hear from somebody about that comment. I didn't mean it in any way that was anything weird or. That's a, I'm just making a little joke there. Oh golly! All right, on. Well, hey, uh, this was fun. Uh, kind of going down memory lane and and yeah. looking back on all these years. I mean. It's, uh, you know, I've been with ACB for a little over 13 years now in different roles. And uh, I have, uh, you know, I had a had a career before that. But uh, this has been the, certainly the bulk of, of my career thus far has been as an employee of the American Council of the Blind. And it's, uh, you know, it's obviously it's been uh, a lot of work, but it's been a great honor. Part of the part of the thing for me. Actually, it's not part of it. It's it's a huge part of it is, you know, when I go home at night, I, I still can't see. And so having the the ability to uh, to 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 work for this organization and I'm doing things, you know, working on different things today than I was a few years ago. And I have a different role. But ultimately, you know, the spine of the organization is the advocacy work that we do. And, you know, being able to. Uh, work with people like Clark Rockville and, and Claire Stanley um, and other volunteer members to, uh, you know, uh, chart a path forward that is uh, better for folks who are blind or visually impaired. Uh, you know, that's, uh, I'll never stop getting excited about that stuff. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. That's, you know, it's a cause, it's a cause, not a job. And how many, how many people, how many people in this life get to do things they love to do? I mean, I don't know about you, but it's just like people, you know. Okay, yeah. So something, you know, tough days every now and then doing this. Oh, of course. I mean, I mean, whatever. But but on balance, you know, it's hey, do you want to do this? Or gee, we really need to get cracking on that. It's, well, right, yeah, absolutely. And you're like in the midst of it, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, this is really cool stuff. I can do that. Wait a minute, and they're paying me to do that <laughs> and by the way I, just, just because i have that attitude doesn't mean you should stop paying us i just want to be really clear right? <laughs> <laughs> okay i mean I, I, you know because we all have our limits i'm just saying mm. but i've been all joking aside it's what a blessing i mean I, it, there are lots of people in this life who don't get to have that privilege to to, to do stuff that matters that actually is real work and then also you care so much about that it doesn't feel like that and uh that's a that's a real gift just there's nothing nothing like it absolutely the only other thing i was going to say eric to you and maybe we've said it before but um you know look uh, there's a lot of different groups in the blindness world and 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 all that and you know i'd like to think that maybe someday uh before the those last digits go on my tombstone maybe i'll grow up i'd like to think that um over the course of time i've maybe let let some of that intramural blindness nonsense go a little bit but you know there was a time when i would be real sort of hey you know who do you guys whoever you are who should remain nameless you know who do you think you are or, you know whatever 
And yet the thing about the CBAA and that whole process, especially for the different issues we worked on over the course of time, you know, two things need to be said. Number one, yeah, we did some great stuff and all that. There was a lot of work and a lot of people were involved. On the other hand, guys, I mean, you don't have to be the biggest and the best and have the biggest war chest and, and, and have the largest number of people or whatever, no matter who you think you are. When the reality of it is, uh, we got some pretty cool stuff done, and and uh, and 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 if anybody, anyway, I guess the point I'm trying slowly but surely building uh, up to <laughs> is, is is that that I think um, people should never forget that yes, a couple people can actually make a difference, and just because you, whoever you are, may not be the biggest, baddest person out there or group out there. Um, I happen to think I'm the first vice president for one of those groups, but you know, if someone else wants to come along and make those kind of judgments or whatever, you know, I, you, that that doesn't matter because because you get it yourself a group of people, no matter how small, and they're determined to make a difference and they're willing to go the long haul, the you know, sticking it for the for the duration, um, they're going to change the world, and uh, and that that's not just hyperbole. That's just a that's a proven fact. It, and the CBA is evidence of that. So, with that little sermon, I'm going to toss it back over to you, Eric. And, and this is fun. I, I, hey, I appreciate you asking me to do this with you. This, I, this is a, uh, this, this was good fun. We should, we, we should do this again. Uh, hopefully, uh, maybe in ten years, let's do it again. Yeah, <laughs> no, uh, or maybe we shouldn't wait ten years. But anyway, good for you. Let's, uh, let's not wait ten years. Actually, this, this could let's be, uh, there could be the, uh, the podcast, the. Uh, yeah. Remarks by Mark and Eric or something. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, uh, <laughs> indeed, indeed. But no, I, I appreciate you uh, you coming on. It's brought back a lot of really, you know, I would say probably 90% of the memories I have of, of all that uh, three, four year period were really, really fun, positive, uh, a lot of, a lot of walking, a lot of walking, a lot of, <laughs> 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 and, uh, and, and, and beers on Capitol Hill, uh, uh, watering holes. And yeah. So, mm. but, um, but thank you. Hey, you and, know what, uh, yeah. Eric, I don't, I, I don't, I, I, while I don't want us to, um, end on a, on a, on a crummy note, I do want to encourage our people though, to remember that, the fight goes on no matter, and, and, and I'll just, uh, for some reason, this really hit me just a second ago as you were talking. You remember this as soon as they tell you this. So we all, we went on, it was, it was the first of the two uh, passages of the bill on, on July 26th, right? The ADA celebration. I think I have this right. So, mm-hmm. so the, the 10th anniversary yep. of the ADA. We were, and, huh? You, re- yep. you remember what I, I bet you're reading my mind. And, and we went off, all of us, we were going to celebrate. We went off. We go to one of our favorite little watering holes, and what did they do? Remember? Uh, they denied me because of my guide dog. Right? Oh. <laughs> so here we are. Here we are. And I mean, again, I'm not trying to. I really am not trying to bring us down. I'm trying to. I guess number one, I, it just really hit me like a lightning bolt. But number two, mm-hmm. the irony of it, right? Here we are, a handful of people who just made history. We're on the, we just we're on sat the, in the House Gallery, right? Watching it. The House be, Gallery. By the way, watching uh, Congressman Langevin, who's a wheelchair user, gabbling in the session on the, let's see, what would that, 2010, so the 20th anniversary, mm-hmm. right, right, yeah, I'm right, of the ADA. Yeah. 
we're passing the House version of the CVAA, and and it's like, I mean, it's a moment in history. And we go off to celebrate, and and lo and behold, we go off to, and this was not some, you know, dive nonsense, whatever. I mean, this it was a very nice DC. hotel bar, I yeah, believe. Swank. Yeah, and, and And yet, now we're getting, oh, we can't serve you here. And and uh, maybe it's a testimony to our faith in the system that maybe we're not remembering this until <laughs> the eleventh you know, well, hour. Well, on oh my call. gosh, I'm sort of sad I didn't. <laughs> no, but I, I'm just remembering this now. Out. But I guess yeah. the point I'm making is right because so I mean, what does that tell you? Number one, we didn't think about it till now because we were because we made history. Number one and number two, it just goes to show you the fight goes on. I mean, it just yeah. it's 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 a it's it's a. It's a commitment. It's not even a fight. It's a way of life um, if you're going to do this advocacy work. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Well, thank you. And, Ray, thank you. Uh, no problem, for, guys. For um, good, uh, good, uh, glad to help out and glad to enjoy the celebration with you guys. Um, oh, yeah. You know, being uh, somebody that was working in the assistive tech field when this, this happened and uh, also a you know, strong advocate for ACB. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was just really a great to go down memory lane with you guys. So thanks for uh, letting me, uh, let me help you all out tonight. And, and every one heck of a day. Holy mackerel. We, <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> now, I think, now I think I'm going to go listen to some football. So uh, <laughs> with that, with that, with that, guys, uh, hey, thanks a lot for letting me help you out tonight. And uh, All right. uh, it's been great. All right. Okay. Good, Good night, night, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your night, guys. <laughs>